0: Welcome into Tailgate. We are done traveling. We are back in sunny Cincinnati. I guess done traveling until we head to the Combine, Indianapolis for the Combine. We're obviously going to get into our Super Bowl recap and then starting off our offseason needs and game plan series, looking at the AFC and NFC West, going to go through everything, free agency draft, what they should do this offseason to right the ship. And then at the back end of the show, interviews with Danny Kelly from The Ringer, Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos, and Khalil Herbert of the Chicago Bears. Let's get it. The Catch and Early Buzz segment is absolutely loaded. And honestly, the thing I first put in here over the weekend was the Brett Favre pick in the flag game that he was playing, um, which is not even close to as funny as some of the other shit that went
1: down. But I love watching. What, you writing Brett Favre pick in here, I was thinking something else. Oh, no, for sure. I know I that. know
0: was... we had some discourse over Brett Favre images yeah. or, or DPs, if you will, in L.A., but I'm done talking about that. I've okay. Googled it. I've, I've been to image results page two with it. I'm done. I'm done. But the interception, uh, he was playing in some flag game that the NFL was posting. I think Michael Vick was in that game, too. I think he dropped a couple Cedar Lakes in that. But Brett Favre throws an interception. Let's actually talk about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald potentially retiring. I think it was Rodney Harrison in an interview with Jack Collins I pre pregame where they asked him. He said, I've talked to Aaron Donald and said, if he wins the super bowl he might consider retiring after eight seasons in the nfl obviously being as dominant as probably any defensive player in nfl history then that kind of caught on nbc like kind of confirmed that report i think it was another reporter with the nbc staff that said yeah he is he will consider retirement if they win they obviously win not a lot of people are talking about it now i can't fathom aaron donald retiring this early in his career coming off i mean he's been dominant for eight seasons in the nfl and showing no signs of slowing down literally to the final play of this super bowl I just can't imagine that he does it. Now, I'm not saying he should or shouldn't, right? It's up to him. It's up to his body, but it would be, it would suck. Let's just, here's my official take. It would suck for people who watch the NFL if Aaron Donald retires.
1: It would. He is already in the conversation for greatest defensive player of all time. Like, that's how good this guy has been. And it's kind of insane just going back and thinking about his career to where he's never missed a game for injury in his career he's missed two games Uh, i believe those are like week 17 like holdouts and whatnot wait he's never missed a game for injury never missed a game purely via injury throughout his career wow so completely healthy now very good as a rookie but like since year two on in the conversation for best defensive player in the nfl every single year as dominance he gets 30 years old coming off a super bowl win where he is the direct Reason for that. Like, literally won the game in the last play with his performance. The last two plays. last two plays. And so, if you were to script it, like, this would be a pretty good time to walk away. Like, no yeah. no sort of downturn in his game whatsoever, despite his age. Still at the peak of his game. Still as good as it gets. Like, you cannot write a better career. Now, selfishly, he is still only 30. Like, if with that, as good as he is, you would think five to six more years left in the tank of at least high-end, high-quality-ish play should he not you know suffer the injury bug but again never been hurt in his career I, I would be floored if he walks away but would be like what else does? it's like one of those things what else do i got to prove he's done it all at this point so i wouldn't i wouldn't blame him one bit for walking away
0: no if you're sitting here blaming aaron donald for any decision to make your high right it's just well, I mean, like, not like
1: not even like not blaming him it's like If I were in his shoes, I would be seriously considering it, too. It's like, what more do I have to do here? I have two
0: things there. One, did you see the tweet that the MVP votes for the Super Bowl were due at the two-minute warning? Yeah, that seems... That's absurd. That's stupid. What if Joe Burrow won? Like, what? Like, do you just, like, still give it to Cooper Cup? Are you high? There's no way that's true.
1: There's no way that's true. I would like to see kind of the voting process.
0: Maybe they're due at the two-minute warning. It's like, if the Bengals win, who are you voting for? And if the Rams win, who are you voting for? that... Literally eliminates
1: the most important part of the well, game. You, you know what I think it could be? I think it could be you could start voting at two minute warning and like so people turn their votes in and then there's no like redos. Like there's no like, oh, whoopsie. Oh, like, okay. Which is what it was. I voted for the player of the game in the national championship game and I voted for Jake Marta, the punter uh, for Georgia. And Did you actually? Yeah, just because I didn't care. But <laughs>
0: What? You can't. You're sabotaging the process. I knew it wasn't
1: going to actually be him, but I just thought it'd be funny if you got a vote and if they said that. But That's not funny. You, I mean, it was the Georgia game. You're, you're ruining the, the process. Okay. You're never going to get invited to that get again. again. Yeah, yeah you're yet, screwing it saying up. saying that. But then I went back. I was like, haha, I thought it was funny. I was like, maybe I can go change it. No, you couldn't change it. It was like, fine, an so I submitted it. So yeah, maybe I'm a little bit of an idiot. But I could see it where how voting opens. You can place your vote, but to not have it go to the end of the game that you can submit it seems absurd. Like, there's a flaw in the process because, like you said, if they would have come back and won, they wouldn't have given it to a ramp. They straight (laughs) up wouldn't have. I don't care what the votes tally out to. They wouldn't have given it to Matt Stafford. So, um... Yeah, I'm I'm not I would like I would like more background information on exactly how that went
0: down. The other thing I had from the retirement piece and you kinda of hinted at it, it's like I think with retiring in the NFL, retiring in any sport, a lot of people talk about like the story, right? Like ending on yeah. top, ending with the Super Bowl. Am I again, of course, never playing at that level. Mm-hmm. Is that not kind of overrated? I do think that there's a degree where like the Brett Favre retirement was ass. Like you like coming in, coming back out, coming in, coming back out, not looking good, all that shit. Like you don't want to end your career like that, where people like literally What people most remember about Brett Favre outside of the dick pics is definitely, like, how he retired. Like, he retired and then came back with the Jets, and no one even remembers that. Like, that shit sucks. But, like, no one's looking at Tom Brady's retirement like, oh, man, it would have been, you know, man, I I kind of wish one more. Exactly. No one's looking at, like, I think with Aaron Donald, it's like, yeah. Would it be really sick that you put on the best eight years any defensive player in the NFL history has ever done and then retired? Yeah, it would. Like, no one's going to, like, look back on Aaron Donald being a piece of shit, if he comes back for three or four more years and doesn't win a Super Bowl, right? Like, that's just not how it's going to work. So, I don't know. I think some of that stuff gets overblown or overrated and that the story of his career gets tarnished because he doesn't end on a Super Bowl. I think that's bullshit. I think just come back and play and be
1: as good as you can be for as long as you want. But that's the other thing is, like, there could be a motivational aspect to it. It's like, what does he have to play for? It's like, maybe, like, that's what was driving him prior to this. Okay. And then it's like, what more does he have to prove to himself in this realm that makes sense i
0: mean it so. comes back to like what his goals are right yeah. like we've talked a little bit about this even though like he's confirmed he didn't retire he's not retiring sean McVay, right some sean yes. McVay's like oh maybe he retires and goes into the booth because tom tony romo makes 17 million a year in the booth which is objectively a cushier job than sweating out super bowls on the sideline like sean mcveigh that's half more half. than bill belichick the highest paid coach in the nfl only makes 12 and a half mil so, like, it comes back to your goals, right? Like, Aaron Donald, I'll tell you what, if he retires from the NFL, I think he'll do fine financially, you know, doing ads and doing these different things. He could coach, he could go in the booth. Dude, there'll be people throwing money at him yeah. left, right, and center. It depends what your goals are when you get to this stage where, like, the money obviously is a factor. But, like, you know, Aaron Donald goes in the booth, he'll probably make maybe just as much as he made as an NFL player. So, I, I think it's uh, it's interesting talking about that. It's weird talking about it because you don't know what the fuck they want. But... The official take, and I'll leave it at this, it's a save-your-likes type of take, but like Aaron Donald, I don't want you to retire because you're fucking fun to watch. That's period. There you go. Super Bowl recap. Speaking of Aaron Donald, I want to start with the last two plays. Aaron Donald holds, I'm going to say this name loud and proud, Samaje Pirine on third and one, or third and two, I think it was what it was, short of the gain, forcing them into the fourth and one situation. Why are you running the fucking ball to Samaje Pirine? On that situation. It makes no sense. Okay. Oh, throw him off guard. If it was Joe Mixon, they would have known. I don't care if they would have known. Joe Mixon's your better running back. That's a nice galaxy brain. That, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Two. Two. The only the only take on that fourth and one call. No one was open but Jamar Chase, late in the play, who was late in the progression, and Quentin Spain got his ass smeared. Quentin Spain got ruined. Aaron Donald makes the play again. Back-to-back plays to win them the Super Bowl. People are like, oh, he was offsides. So there's a screenshot of his helmet being across the ball. Here's the thing about island games, even regardless of Super Bowl, there's always like at least like six calls that could have gone either way. And the only reason they're hyped up is because they're island games. The face mask by T. Higgins, mm-hmm. you know, offsides by Aaron Donald, the Logan Wilson thing, the Logan Wilson, which I don't think should have been pass interference, but it was, could have been a makeup call. Yeah. You got to throw that shit out the window, man. It's gonna go back and forth. The better team won this game, in my opinion. The Rams won this game. The only reason the Bengals were even in pole position to win the Super Bowl was off the T. Higgins 75 yard touchdown, which, according to Steve Palazzolo, it's a great tweet. The Bengals averaged 3.7 yards per drop act when you remove that, you know, what could have been offensive pass interference where he, you know, yeah. throws Ramsey by the face mask. And then the pick that was dropped off of Ben Skoranek, who's only in that game because OBJ tears his ACL. A lot of flukiness gave the Bengals this lead. They're averaging 3.7 yards per drop back in that game, despite the T. Higgins thing. And then Quentin Spain, the interior offensive line, that was the mismatch that everyone talked about for two weeks, showed up, reared its head on the last game. And guess what else reared its head? Bad play calling. Stuff we've been calling out all season. Zach Taylor runs a fucking dive to Run on in critical situation. Yeah. And ultimately cost them this game. I think a lot of the concerns with Cincinnati. The reason they were four and a half point, five-point dogs against the Rams in the Super Bowl, the reason they were dogs against the Kansas City Chiefs, the reason they were dogs against Tennessee, all showed up in the Super Bowl. Interior offensive line stinks. Zach Taylor is inefficient as a play caller. And that that's what mattered, man. That's what mattered. That's what ultimately, you know, that's what ultimately cost them this win.
1: Yeah, this game didn't go too dissimilarly than what I thought it would. I just thought Burrow would make that play at the end. You know, like I thought, be damned, whatever. I thought. At the end, Joe Burrow would come up big. He'd get out of it like he did, did with Chris Jones. Uh, yeah. And not to say that he didn't he came up small by any means. I don't think he did. He just wasn't given the opportunity. <laughs> you know, like that last play, where are you going with that ball? You know, you can get you could take the one on one with Ramsey if you want right off right off the rip, but it's like you're putting a lot of stock if you do go that route. Uh and Jamar Chase, he had ran a go route against Jalen Ramsey and, and did end up, you know, winning that. But you're taking a lot of stock in your guy being better than Jalen Ramsey which is kind of the whole gist of why we say get yourself a number 1 corner because even if even the times when the guys aren't are open even when they do lose oftentimes your quarterback's not even looking that way because you don't trust you, you don't trust your guy to win against the best cornerbacks in the NFL. So yeah, it was it just what he was, wasn't put in a situation to succeed. Joe Burrow, the the Bengals offense and again, it comes back to the worst offensive line. Worse than the Chiefs offensive line in the Super Bowl last year. At least as bad. Here are the pass blocking grades from their starting five. Jonah Williams, 41.4. Quinton Spain, 20.3. Trey Hopkins, 47.4. Akima Dineje, 26.0. Isaiah Prince, 2.4. It was the third lowest team pass blocking grade in the game all season long. That's, I don't, the fact that they even had a chance to win the game at the end was a minor miracle. That doesn't happen. So, Yes, like you said, the better team won. The the Rams were just a more complete team. And I do think that that was a bad call on Logan Wilson for that gave the Rams a chance. But at the same time, like you
0: said, it was a bad bad no call call on T. Higgins.
1: Higgins. Like, there were those can go both ways. I do hate that they go, I, I do think it's bigger when it goes in the way of like throwing a flag when there probably shouldn't be a flag. Like, I'm fine with missing calls. Over the course of a game but like deciding something on a flag i had a little bit more of a problem with but even still like i don't i didn't think it was a poorly officiated game on the whole to where i'm going to complain that loudly about it but yeah i they just the Bengals did not have answers along the offensive line and for the people like saying a lot of Bengals fans are upset about the jackson carmen pick in the second round and it's like yeah you would have rather you would have loved to have drafted a guy in the second round who could make an impact, immediate impact, as a pass protector starter. Like, yes, that would have been great. That would have been ideal. It's probably what they wanted. And if you're the Bengals, you're in a position where you never thought it was going to come back to hurt you in the Super Bowl, but, like, you wanted to. But at the same time, easier said than done for a second-round guard. You can do that at the top 15 picks. That's why, you know, the Jets go up and get Elijah Vera Tucker. That's why, you know, the Chargers getting... Uh, Rashawn Slater like yeah you can get that near the top of the draft but once you're outside of that it's a crapshoot the next three guards off the board true guards after Jacks Carmen Aaron Banks couldn't even start for the 49ers Jalen Mayfield who is legitimately worse than Jack Carmen was this year and Wyatt Davis couldn't even start for the Vikings like sure you could have drafted Creed Humphrey there center would have been an upgrade but shit no one thought Creed Humphrey was going to be this They'd package after center right before Creed Humphrey and again if you wanted to They probably wanted a guard in Carmen when they drafted him. I probably would have gone Dylan Radins or Sam Cosby there. Those are the guys who are high on the PFF board, could also play tackle type of guys or inside. But this was not – you were never playing for this year to win the Super Bowl. You were drafting a guy who you thought would be good two, three years down the line because this was never like their window. They never thought that this was it for them. No one did. So, again, (laughs) if you're shitting on the Jack Carmen pick, you're like you're really reaching for straws with how good a job Duke Tobin has done building this roster. I mean, you look at this
0: is on the fun to read segment, and I'm gonna tease it a little bit here. But like ESPN's Booger comes in and says, Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times this season, including the playoffs. You can't win that way. No, false. They did win that way. <laughs> yeah. They did win that way. They are a Logan Wilson fucking, you know, PI away from probably winning that game. If they called false start on the fourth down, they probably were offsides on the fourth down, they probably win the game. If they called false start on the play that Logan Wilson had the DPI, they, pro- they might win that game. Yeah. You can win that way, but you're not going to be favored in the Super Bowl that way. You're not going to be favored in the playoffs that way. You're not going to have home playoff games that way. You're not going to consistently compete for Super Bowls if Joe Burrow is getting sacked 70 times per season. But you yeah. can win that way, as they fucking did. They were like literally three points away from winning that Super Bowl. That tweet is ridiculous. You can win that way, but you cannot consistently compete for Super Bro. Bowls if your interior offensive line is literally like the worst in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's, they had the ESPN charted them with the lowest pass block win rate of any team in any game this year. We had the third, they had PFF charts them with the third lowest pass block and greatest unit of any team in any game this year. You will struggle to win that way. The fact that they were even in there, again, comes back to the big 75-yard touchdown to Higgins, which was borderline missed call, and the pick off of Ben Skoranek, who shouldn't be even in that game because Odell Beckham Jr. takes the ACL. You can win this way when certain things bounce you know, in your favor. And they did. And the Cincinnati Bengals were, the the whole season has been bouncing in their favor. Getting out of a Chris Jones sack doesn't happen every year. A lot of these things bounce in their favor. Obviously, they're trying to strike lightning in a bottle, and they nearly did. Don't say you can't win that way. They almost did. But there's obvious, obvious areas where they need to improve if they're going to be favored in these games in the future. Earning one seeds, earning home playoff games, and earning, you know, a three-point favorite in the Super Bowl. I think that's the bigger takeaway from this. Not necessarily like, discounting any decision they made this season. Any decision they made this season got them there. Decisions they make this offseason will determine whether or not they're in these games again and favored and actually, like from an odds perspective, you know, likely to win these deep postseason games. I I don't know how much more you want to weigh in on this game. I I thought it was, again, played out. Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford just lit it up on that game-winning drives. Tempo, spread concepts, you know, the no-look throw, that is being like explored on Twitter, every inch of it being explored on Twitter, was awesome. It was an absurd throw. The fact that he was looking down at Bryson Hopkins, the tight end that was running like the, the, the hitch concept, and then hits Cooper Cup, moves Von Bell with his eyes, and then hits Cooper Cup, no look, was fucking insane. I think I saw Eric Galco, of the Shri- Shrine Bowl, said, what this shows more than anything is Matthew Stafford was playing with confidence, even with two picks already in that game. And I think that's been a big reason why he's had success both in Detroit and in Los Angeles. This guy doesn't stop. You know, his his confidence does not waver. And if his confidence did, he probably hits Skoronic for a little short gain there, and Cooper Cup doesn't get the first down. But instead, he's able to slam that in there because he's one of the more confident quarterbacks. And I don't think enough love has been given to Matthew Stafford. He was awesome in this game down the stretch. There were stretches with the Odell Beckham Jr. injury where this offense looked like shit, but showed up when it mattered. So did Cooper Cup. Big tip of the cap, in my opinion, to those guys. I think a lot of the media has focused on... The narrative behind like drafting Jamar Chase or Penay Sewell and all that stuff, but I, I do think you got to tip your captain Rams, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, their studs showed up when they were supposed to show up.
1: Yeah, can I first just say I don't like the way you said how the throw was explored. That, yeah, I hated that, that like, too. That, I, hated that I didn't too. love that. that I didn't, just, I, can can I say I didn't like it me. too? Okay, thank you for your rec- recant of that. But I will say okay, I'm not so recanting it. I said I didn't like okay, it. Okay, n- no one listening to it either. Um, can I say, though, about Matt Stafford, the biggest difference in what they paid for and kind of what got underrated with him over his career, you mentioned, like, the confidence. He was a guy, even with Detroit, who when it was crunch time, big moments, he showed up fourth quarter, a lot of fourth quarter comebacks, that sort of thing. That was the biggest difference between him and Goff. Goff, a mental midget of sorts in big games. This was, Jesus. I mean, it's fucking true. Like, this was the difference. That last drive, the difference between him and Goff showed brightest day. And this was kind of like the makeup the makeup game for the 18 Super Bowl mm-hmm. against the Patriots. That they should have won. They yeah. straight up should have won. If it didn't take Jared Goff's just most dog shit performance of his career, they would any modicum of competent quarterbacking that game wins them that Super Bowl. Talking to
0: Marshall Falk last week and you probably listened to the interview it was on podcast last week, I mentioned that you know they brought Matthew Stafford in to come and get to the Super Bowl. And then he's yeah. like, I'll correct you. They brought Matthew Stafford in to win this Super Bowl. And again, I always come back to betting odds and all that stuff, but I think it fucking matters. It's like, Jared Goff's quarterback in this team, maybe they do get to the Super yeah. Bowl, right? Maybe with with Odell Beckham Jr. added and Von Miller, yeah. maybe they do. The reason they're favored by four and a half is because they got fucking Matthew Stafford, not Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. You know, going to this game with Jared Goff, I don't know if they're favored. <laughs> it might be Burrow by three, even at SoFi
1: Stadium. And that was, like I said, you have to give hats off to less need because a lot of teams went quote-unquote, all-in this year. A lot of teams pushed their chips to the edge, sacrificed some future years. The Bucs did it. The Packers did it to a degree. The there Saints teams did it. around the NFL that did it. No one did it quite like the Rams. No one put their nuts on the table and left themselves exposed the way Les Snead did, <laughs> dealing the second rounder for a half season of Von Miller, who then shows up big in the Super Bowl, going out and signing Odell Beck and giving him more than the, the Packers were willing to pay despite similar cap situations he put it all out there and it paid off in the biggest way possible so hats off to them happy for my boy Zach robinson over there i think who might be the next head coach after shaman bay right now retired. oh right? my goodness
0: stop no <laughs>
1: Zach, one shaman bay's not retiring two i don't want
0: to ha- Zach robinson will be a head coach in the nfl one day and i'll say this i've caught a touchdown pass from him in flag football I've which multiple. is a which is a huge deal yeah. it was a little dump off rental crosser i said hit me in the post
1: or whatever i was fucking lit he he didn't have the biggest of arms, but that dude was very accurate, I will say. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. And when playing flag football with him was, pretty, <laughs> it was an enjoyable experience. That ball was wherever you needed And, like, okay, so you say he doesn't have the biggest of arms, right? But that thing was still coming in with some heat,
2: yeah, dude. Like, compared to He like, was to still kind of firing. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, d- I remember, like, catching a handful. I'm like, dude, you don't have to just throw it at my chest, like, throw it through me. Um, before we get to our offseason game plans, which this series is going to be sick, we're going to do by division uh per episode we're gonna do two divisions per episode looking at you know what they have currently in free agency or what they have for potential cut candidates who their free agents are how they should approach the offseason knowing that trades and all this is gonna happen for all the divisions it should be freaking awesome uh all leading up into the combine but before we do the presenting sponsor of this podcast is DraftKings the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here okay this is still the DraftKings Super Bowl ad going to see if I can find a different one here
1: Oh Jesus, dude.
0: This is ridiculous. Amateur hour. This is this they said it was updated. They're lying to me. I don't know what to say. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna shout out DraftKings. <laughs> DraftKings is sick. Uh you can DraftKings is now DraftKings sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. Not on football, because Super Bowl's over. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest on Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. And guess what? That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Once you're 21 years or older, see so DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details for a full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources. Gambling problem called 1 800 Gambler. I'll say this in addition to being a presenting sponsor, we are going through the ads or the the AFC and NFC West offseason needs and game plans ranked by how DraftKings currently has the teams priced on how they'll win the conference. So, for example, when we go over the AFC West, the Chiefs are tied for first in DraftKings odds to win the AFC. The Broncos are tied for fourth, ahead of the Chargers, who are tied for seventh, and then the Las Vegas Raiders tied for twelfth. You can bet those at DraftKingsSportsbook.com if you are in a legal betting state. I like looking at that stuff preseason. I do think it helps you put into perspective how the market, not DraftKings, not your mom, not me, how the market currently views. My mom has a good handle on the market. Don't. She's got a good handle on a lot of things. Yeah. This is how the market currently views these teams, right? So if you're like, are you kidding me? The Raiders are not the 12th best team in the AFC, Mike. You should just jump off a bridge. Okay, bet it. Go bet them to win the AFC. They have the 12th best odds. They have the 12th best odds of 16 teams in the AFC has turned into me
1: there with a little lisp.
0: All right. Let's get into these game plans. Kansas City Chiefs currently yeah. tied for first with the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC. I believe they're tied for first with the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl in 2023. According to Arjun Menon, who's a football research intern here at PFF, go look him up on Twitter and follow him. He does a lot of great content for us. He did an off-season resources ranking for all 32 NFL teams looking at their free agency cap space, their movable cap space, their dead cap space, and then their NFL draft capital this offseason. They're currently ranked 22nd in all of that. Obviously, that involves the low draft picks, but also they got a lot of dead cap, not a lot of movable cap as well. Their current cap space is 4.3 million. Now, again, the reason you do the offseason resources rank is because some of that is movable. They can cut some guys. They can move on some guys. Potential cuts could be Frank Clark, which saves 12.7 million dollars if they do it before June 1 or after June 1. Anthony Hitchens, if they cut him, could save him 8.4 million. Right. That's why the 4.3 number isn't enough. So you're going to listen to a lot of off-season podcasts or read a lot of off-season articles. Like Chiefs only have 4.3 million in cap space. They're so fucked this off-season. No, a lot of that can be moved. They rank 22nd in off-season resources, rank according to Arjun Menov of PFF, and our current biggest needs, according to Anthony Tresh, who dropped an article today. Defensive line, wide receiver, and cornerback, all of which I would agree with. Those could move, obviously, as the offseason progresses. Where do you want to start with your game plan to fix the Kansas City Chiefs?
1: Well, I think just breaking down where this roster like needs to get better for them, like just how, how this team gets back to the Super Bowl, I think the biggest thing. And to me, and I'm going to suggest one move, the biggest move to make for each of these teams we're going through here. I, I do think that cutting Frank Clark, cutting Anthony Hitchens, those are musts at this point it's 20 million dollars those guys are burning through that cap space frank clark a
0: 54.9 pff grade this year one of the lowest pass rush win rates of any edge
1: defender in football and also one of the highest paid non-quarterbacks in the nfl i I would gladly i would much rather take that money that's you know owed to him right now and use just a chunk of it on melvin ingram like (laughs) melvin ingram was the objectively better player this past season down the stretch for them that's where i would go if i'm them And I think the one move I I would make from the Chiefs, the one move they have to make, one more wide receiver in there. And and to me, another speed threat would take this offense back to that supercharged 2019-2018 sort of unit. Will Fuller, Marquez valdez scaling I get the injury histories of both. Speed guys and injury histories kind of go hand in hand. But signing one of those guys, they're not going to be that expensive. Uh, Will Fuller, especially after his injury history and the one-year deal he had last year, not going to be that much. Marcos valdez scaling good this year, but really the lone real year that he was has been good, honestly. So I, I don't think either of those guys would cost too much, really limit your cap-wise, but I would bring in one of those dudes into the fold, especially with, like I said, losing possibly Byron Pringle, possibly Demarcus Robinson, both those guys hitting free agency. I think we've talked about it a little bit. But the secondary and tertiary option
0: in an offense, like pass catching option in an offense, I think is so much more valuable than where even the market is right now with like paying your number two receiver or paying a number three receiver or like a top 10 or a top tight end Mm -hmm. because. I don't think, you know, we talk about with quarterback, right? You need the quarterback, and with the receiver, you need a playmaker. I don't think you need a playmaker. You need multiple, right? You look at the Cincinnati Bengals having Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. With the Rams, before the Odell Beckham Jr. injury, it's obviously Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr., but even then, they had Robert Woods when they made the trade, a healthy Robert Woods when they made the trade. They were looking to add Odell Beckham Jr. to that fucking Wide receiver room because they know how important it is to have more than just a guy, right? They had the NFL leader in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, and still went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. because they know how much, how valuable, yeah, a secondary tertiary option, tertiary option in a passing offense, and like that's simply the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they have Tyree Kill. Yeah, they have Travis Kelsey, but they need this third piece, right? Like everyone needs this third piece. Everyone needs another option for when an injury happens or they're 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 capping a certain, you know, they're they're doubling a certain guy. I do think that the Chiefs in my opinion, on offense, it's obvious. They need to spend capital at bringing in an upgrade over to Marcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Michael Harmon, etc. And they yeah. tried to do that a little bit, right, with Josh Gordon, who looked like a shell of himself, was nowhere near that. And I think they well, tried to like, do that with he, two. He looked like you'd
1: put a shell on.
0: Like that <laughs> was fucking massive. But also in the offseason, you remember they offered Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. who said, I don't want to go to the Kansas City Chiefs all-state in Pittsburgh. Like they knew, I think it's not, we're not fucking uncovering Source or stone here. Everyone knows that they want as many pass catchers as possible, but when yeah. you can't get it done, it shows up. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. And I think trying to get some pass rush, man, and, I think... And the thing is
1: about the Chiefs, like, they were... They had as good a shot as anybody. Like, they were there. They were in the Super Bowl realm, which is kind of all you can ask for. To to expect to be this dominant juggernaut that rolls people every year en route to a Super Bowl is just unrealistic. So you, you don't have to make massive changes. Like, I think this offseason is going to be about keeping it intact, keeping the ship as is with re-signing Orlando Brown, re-signing Tyron Matthew, re-signing Traveris Ward. Like, I think that's going to be their priorities come this spring. But, like I said, just that one piece to get over top to where I'd go, wide receiver, because I don't think you're you are going to – you're not going to see the offseason you saw last year where they're wheeling, dealing, getting guys in, trading first-rounders. I, I don't think that's their draft – their plan of attack this year. To me, it is keep – like I said, keep it intact, write the ship, bring everyone back, and then one, one, one cherry on top, which is Will Fuller, MBS. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network had this tweet
0: that I thought hits on a lot of what we're trying to discuss right now. And I think it's a good thing going into these AFC and NFC West game plans. Looking for teams, Looking into the future, this is the checklist for most teams. Elite QB, pass rushers galore multiple offensive playmakers which is on what i was trying to say and a serv- serviceable offensive line no tomato cans which the fact that he's able to come just out of that
1: have no tomato cans
0: yeah yeah the fact that he's able to come out of that even after that like some people would say like you need to go get elite guards i was like, no you just need you need an average offensive line a serviceable offensive line elite quarterback and the pass rush is galore is another thing for the Chiefs, right? Like they don't have that. They have Chris Jones and that's pretty much it. Melvin Ingram played well this year and they you can like you said you can dump some more money yeah. into him, but like Chris I'll tell you right now, Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram is not enough. Like they need to go get some other pass rushers too if they are moving on from Frank Clark. I'm not saying go trade and sign one, but like you're going to need to invest that in the draft. You're going to need yeah. some fine pass rushing help and something that he didn't mention in that tweet, which I do think is true is, like, anything in the secondary. And, like, I do think you need competent secondary members to win. But I think it's similar to the offensive line where it's a weak, weak, weak link unit. You don't need four Jalen Ramseys back there. But you can't have obvious, obvious tomato cans, to use Daniel Jeremiah's reference, in the secondary. Like Dude, I've never look, what is I've never, what is tomato? I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, looking at the Los Angeles Rams, like, even Jalen Ramsey last night was getting beat a little bit. You know what I mean? Getting beat by Jamar Chase and that stuff. But the, the more important thing was that Aaron Donald's feasting absolutely feasting jamar chase runs wide open on that fourth and one late in the progression but the only reason he's not able to get the ball is because obviously aaron donald's eating his lunch so i think in the secondary what's your approach there is it am i right to look at it as a you need an average group across the board at off ball linebacker safety and cornerback or are you looking for elite pieces there
1: I mean, the beggars can't be choosers at this point. They, they want anyone that can, you know, see the field. Like, I think they're fine at linebacker. You got Willie Gay. You got Nick Bolton. You drafted both those guys. They look, look good down the stretch for you. It is just cornerback, which Jerry Snead, like I said, Shine, for Ward, get, get new options in there. Obviously, Mike Hughes hitting for agency as well. So I, I think back into the first round, you're looking corner edge for this team. Like, that's where it's going to be. think like, corner could maybe have more of an immediate impact. Depending on who's on the board there for versus edge, like I, th- I love the fit of Kyer Elam, the Florida corner in this defense, with how he can press opposing wide receivers. But that that's where your sights have to be set, I believe, if you're a Chiefs this coming into the draft. So tomato cans, sports idiom is a it, in a combat sport is a fighter with poor diminished skills. So
0: wow, so yeah, the, the Bengals are fucking chock full of tomato cans along the offensive line. Damn, uh, no, I I for the draft, I like where your head's at edge or corner at the back end not receiver though if they have like if they have an olave olave down at the back end well that's why
1: I, I said to make the move free agency for the wide receiver but yeah
0: so looking in free agency I, i'm nervous that if that's you know the plan of action and pff just dropped its top 200 free agents expected to enter free agency and that's the important part Devonte adams is number one but they're probably gonna franchise tag him and you're not gonna get a chance then you have chris godwin at number three I mean, it'd be wild to see Tampa Bay not also throw him a tag or find a way to retain him. Then you're getting all the way down to, like, the next best receiver, Mike Williams of Los Angeles, which... Could be another situation where they tag him. Like, a lot of these free agency... I think it's been a struggle in creating free agency content recently. It's like a lot of these guys are going to get retained. Like, with franchise tags, transition tags, all that shit. The next available receiver after Mike Williams on PFS rankings is Allen Robinson. You could probably see him leave Chicago. But if they're fucking interested in building around Justin Fields, they'll probably find a way to bring back him too. So, like, it's going to be difficult to, like, go add this receiver in free agency. Not going to happen. Like, your top four guys are probably going back to their teams. And if they don't, you obviously chase it there. I think they're more often going to find an opportunity in the draft, right? I think Chris Olave at the back end would be something I'm comfortable with if you don't like one of those pass rushers there or, you know, say the corner, like that outside cornerback cliff happens earlier than expected. Any final thoughts on the Chiefs? Nope. All right. Denver Broncos tied for fourth, obviously baking in the fact that they get Aaron Rodgers, right? Like they're tied for fourth according to DraftKings to win the AFC with the fourth best, tied for fourth best odds. Yeah, I mean, A lot of people are expecting Aaron Rodgers to be a Denver Bronco in 2022. That's where the market is putting them. And their offseason resources rank according to Arjun Menno at PFF. Third, they got the draft capital. They have a lot of open cap space. They have $38.8 million in cap space with some opportunities to cut and move some space around as well. A lot of free agents lost. Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, Bobby Massey, Melvin Gordon, Alexander Johnson, Teddy Bridgewater, Kareem Jackson, Joseph Jewell, all expected to enter free agency, which again opens up more of that cap space the number one thing on the Broncos list should be to go get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Go get one of them. Fact. This team is good enough. This team is good enough to make it happen. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett is coming over as the head coach, uh, the office coordinator from the Green Bay Packers. If they go get Aaron Rodgers, which is going to cost them a lot, including their top 10 pick, this puts them in the top five in the AFC to winning the AFC with the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah,
1: yeah this is a off offseason where... You might want to push the chips to the end of the table and now they obviously were in talks or tried to last year saw the reports whatever but you're not getting you're, you're you got the ninth overall pick in the first round that's not netting you a guy who is going to take you to the super bowl next year and then after that you start to have to make changes and ter- decisions in terms of contracts you're going to lay out what a, like elsewhere money starts to have to get tight whether it's you know re-signing bradley chubb uh, and whatnot, other guys in this roster, the money starts to get higher. So, sure you could you could use that ninth overall pick on a Malik Wilson and try, but like you signed Nathaniel Hackett, the OC from the Packers to be your head coach. Like the, the after talks all last season of training for Aaron Rodgers, like in no it's definitely something that's floated across Rodgers' desk as well. Like I, I'm sure he knows of their interest and you sure would have to be, and I'm guessing is open to it if he's open to playing outside of Green Bay, going to Denver with, like I said, all they have offensively, the pieces around him and the head coach now. So, yes, if you're making a move, that's what I would do. Two first rounders, three first rounders, whatever. I'm doing it if I'm the Denver Broncos. You have a roster that's capable of winning a Super Bowl. You don't have a quarterback that's close to capable of winning a Super Bowl. So, I'll make that move if I'm them. And then you still have money, is the thing. Like yeah, you still, yeah, that's going to. It's going to hurt you in terms of draft resources. Maybe you're not going into draft thinking about how I improve this roster. But $38.8 million is nothing to sneeze at in, in free agency in what they can spend. And, yeah, maybe like half that gets taken up by Aaron Rodgers, but you still got two or so pieces you can add to this roster that, that I think offensive line is where I'd be looking. Obviously, Bobby Massey, right tackle, probably going to be your issue. And then defensive line is where I'd look for them as well.
0: I... Also think that they should retain some of these guys, right? If they're able to get like Fuller back, Callahan back, maybe Alexander Johnson. I think that would be a priority, especially if they still even when they make this trade for Aaron Rodgers. I think regardless, I've you said, I think in that analysis, I would make the trade for Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot of people would, but if they aren't able to, right, I still think they should go after Russell Wilson or some like they have to go get a veteran quarterback yes. to win now because this roster is good enough to win now. Yeah. It's like you bring you in don't... Nathaniel Hackett to give you that edge in this what's gonna be just an absurd fucking trade
1: market for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you go get Devontae
0: Adams too. I don't know. I'd even <laughs> a package deal.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a possibility. Like I would think they'd. want... What it. do you think the package
0: is for Adams on Tag? So sure. pretend they franchise Tag Adams and they have Aaron Rodgers. What is the realistic package? You can only trade. You can only trade picks three three years into the
1: future. Yeah. I maybe mean, three firsts. It's probably the starting point. I mean, three firsts. Adams three isn't worth that much because his contract's going to be like Adams himself is maybe worth a second in the in a tag and trade sort of deal, but. So I think you go three first and, first second, and two seconds two and, then seconds, seconds, and then it gets it done. Then it gets it done. Because that's like a big cap It Then you're kind of not signing any more guys. And you might even have to give back like a Jerry Judy in return or something oh, like true. that to get it done. But like I said, $38 million, it goes Aaron Rodgers. Can't get him, and then it's Russell Wilson. And then shit, I'd even go Kirk Cousins. If I'm Derek the Carr I'd try Derek Carr too. I mean, your same division, you're not going to get a trade done for true. Derek Carr. But I'd even go to Kirk Cousins. I'd even say that's a big enough upgrade that we are in the mix immediately if we trade. For what about Jimmy Garoppolo? No. <laughs> that's
2: some where be, I some
0: people are rumoring the Garoppolo to yeah. like the Washington Commanders is, a, is the revitalization <laughs> that they need. No, I think that's that's pretty obvious. I'm excited. I mean, the Denver Broncos, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, yeah. your Super Bowl's coming up. Not like your actual Super Bowl, but this offseason this is going to be a big. fucking treat yeah. in terms of content and people throwing trades around and you potentially getting Rodgers. The, these jersey swaps coming down your way are going to be pretty hot. Uh, let's get to the Los Angeles Chargers. Before we do, a little update. Quinn is back there recording the pod. Nine minutes ago, he tweeted, I'm a firm believer that the worst day of the year is the first workday after Christmas ice New Year's break, but I'm going to add a caveat. The worst day of the year is the day after the Super Bowl when your team loses. Five <laughs> low. Quinn, I'm sorry we came into the office. I'm sorry we came into recording. We should record. have given him a day off. We should have given him a day off. We should have had Alyssa record it or Stone record it. I apologize. I'm apologizing. I should have reached out. Uh, I hope. I hope the vibes get higher. Come on, get higher. All right, let's get to the charges. Offseason, they're right now ranked tied for seventh in the odds to win the AFC next year, which probably a lot of people would say is low compared to how many people love fucking Justin Herbert and Brian Staley, etc. Their offseason resources ranked two is right behind the Denver Broncos. Broncos are third. Or and the charges are fourth, $56.3 million in available cap space with some cuts potentially. I don't think they cut Brian Bulaga, but if they do, they could cut. They could save $10.8 million. There's a lot they could do. And the only notable free agents really that they'd lose, Mike Williams I think would be a bit of a hit, Chris Harris Jr. potentially a hit. Outside of that, like Linval Joseph, Kaiser White, Uchenna Nwosu, Jared Cook, these guys, you could let go of these guys, right, and, and, yeah. and move on and find upgrades elsewhere, et cetera. But I think losing Mike Williams would be a bit of a hit for this offense what is their first step in getting better odds than tie for seventh right being this like number two number three team with the bills and chiefs to win the afc
1: yeah i, I do think they'll resign mike williams or at least tag him to where you, you don't want you don't need your offense you don't need that core that you know, was the strength of your team last year taking any hits you, you don't want to take any step backward in that regard especially for justin herbert's development like ideally you add another wide receiver to it. You sign Mike Williams and then you add someone else like in the draft. You know, Chris Olave, guy who makes a ton of sense there in terms of stylistically and where he wins as a receiver. That is what I'm looking to do if I'm the LA Chargers. So keep, like I said, keep those guys intact. And then the move I'm making, if I am them, because everyone and their mother is mocking Jordan Davis, the Georgia defensive tackle them in the first round. I am making sure that I'm not pigeonholing myself into a defense tackle in the first round. Like that is just not where you want to be as a franchise is kind of like where the Bengals were when they drafted Billy Price where it's such a big need that I have to go get it no you have 56.3 million dollars cap space go sign Akeem Hicks Larry Ogunjobi Jeron Reed BJ Hill i said sign 2 DTs go sign 2 DTs and make it so that that is not that you have a baseline level of competency ideally it would be like like i said BJ Hill and Akeem Hicks that would be Immediately, your run defense is night and day from what it was last year. You at least have competency there, and immediately Jerry Tillery is playing 200 fewer snaps, which everyone can cheer about. So, dude, they, I mean, there's a lot available for Jerry Tillery would even be happy about that. Keen um,
0: Hicks, Clayus Campbell, B.J. Yes.
1: Hill. It's a there's a lot that has there. Some talent as of right now, and a lot of guys who are not getting franchise tagged at that position. For so, Lorenzo
0: Fautuqasi, I think, is like, another guy.
1: Yes, a lot of competent interior run defenders that. You don't have to use the 17th overall pick on one. You know, you, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one in the draft. You can swing a little bit stiffer of a bat once you get to draft time. So that's the moves I'm making initially. Now, obviously, you can go out and spend a, you got a little more cash to even play with than just that. But that's my first move I'm making. Here's a take:
0: Screw defensive tackle at 17. Go get Travis Jones of UConn in round two. In addition to signing two big DTs like Akeem Hicks and BJ Hill or yeah. Fatukasi, Clayus Campbell, don't just you know pigeonhole yourself like you said into Jordan Davis. I like Travis Jones in round two. The other thing I'm not worried about, but I think they need a receiver. Like if you let Mike Williams go, you definitely need a receiver. But even if you bring him back on a tag or whatever, I think they need another guy. Like I I, I like Josh Palmer. I liked Jared Cook. You know, Keenan Allen obviously get longer the tooth. Mike Williams has been up and down in his career. Go get someone who's like a legit legit know 10, 12 targets a guy, like a 12, 10, 12 targets a game type of guy. Yeah. I don't think they need a deep threat. They don't need this like specific tooled to receiver. Like go get someone who can be legit. I I I don't hate receiver in the first round at 17. If they like Chris Olave there or Garrett Wilson there, or say Drake London falls because of the injury. Like go get another top 10, you know, top top tier talent that position to continue to take the top off of this offense. I think that's that's another move I'd like to see them make. Las Vegas Raiders. Tied for 12th and odds to win the AFC next year. Offseason resources rank at 14th, according to PFF's ranking of draft resources, cap space, movable cap space, et cetera. Their cap space right now is 20.5. Could cut Denzel Good. I don't think they do, but it would save $4.2 million. The number one, their their big free agents, Casey Hayward, I think he's gone. I think he's as good as gone, especially with the defensive coordinator change. Marcus Mariota, I think is as good as gone. I think there are going to be teams that are willing to pay him to start. Those are two notable frais that
1: they could lose. Um, what is your top top priority right now for the Raiders? You're going to hate this. You're going to hate my move to make if I'm the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm extending Derek Carr Boom. right now if I'm the Las Vegas Raiders. I get that this is last year's deal and that you have had the take a zillion times that you're not winning with Derek Carr. But to me, Derek Carr is going to have a great year this upcoming year. I think he has a perfect fit for Josh McDaniel's offense. I think they have the personnel in Hunter Renfro. And, gosh, I'm blanking on the tight end's name right now off the top of my head. Um, Garen Waller. Garen Waller. You have the personnel that literally mirrors what the Patriots had when they were elite. Where it's Rob Gronkowski and... And Tom Brady. Julian Edelman. I'm just saying. And Tom Brady. Okay. I'm saying that mirrors the... like You have the guys to run that offense, though. Derek Carr can run that offense. That is like where that is where he wins. That's like literally the offense that's built for him as far as NFL offenses go. So, yes, he's not Tom Brady, but I do think he's going to succeed in Las Vegas under Josh Daniels. Then at that point the price only goes up. And so I think extend him, keep that cornerstone, keep that baseline of competency and hope that you have competency other areas on this front office in terms of decision making and roster building from there. Again, it's going to be a reset kind of year. But to me, I think you keep Derek Carr, like I said, three-, four-year extension here to transition from a kind of rebuild here that you're going to have to do and you're going to have to find other avenues of getting talent on this roster. Don't think you want to be major players in free agency. I don't think you want to go out and spend big bucks right away to get yourself back there. But I do think you want Derek Carr as the building block to then attract other pieces here and to just – I don't think you want to completely bottom out like you've been advocating for. And that's fine. And if you
0: do that, I just hope you know that you're just going to have the same peak as the Minnesota Vikings have had for the last you know few years that they've had Kirk Cousins. Like, they've built around him, and they've done a good job, and they're still not going to go deep in the postseason. Which, like, I guess if you want to be almost there, that is the the
1: quickest way to doing it. Being- uh, is Derek Carr that much worse than Matt Stafford?
0: Yes! Yes, I he's that it. much worse. Does Derek Carr make any of the throws that Matthew Stafford makes? He's like significantly less confident. That's like his whole thing. He's not nearly as confident. Not nearly. He hasn't been that confident his entire fucking career. I mean, I'm just. I'm, and plus, like, you extend Derek Carr. How much are you paying Derek Carr? Are you paying him as much as you pay Kirk? Are you paying him over 30 mil? Probably. I'm Pro- saying
1: he's played with awful defenses for I kind of like Matt Stafford did in Detroit, like, for the, his entire career. I agree. And
0: I, and I, I just don't think, is that changing? by the time he turns 40, he's like 33 years old. He's 30. He's 30. And it, and then you extend he's got him. 8
1: years left of useful shelf life as far as NFL quarterbacks. And get. they're going to
0: put together a bunch of fucking useful seasons. I can't wait. I can't wait for the useful seasons you see with
1: Derek Carr. I'm just saying that I think it's the right way to go about it because you could you're just not you're not going to be able to like you're really putting yourself at risk of not not finding a quarterback for the next decade. I you think you
0: don't extend Derek Carr. Okay. You give it another year. And if he plays well in this system that he's supposed to play well in and everyone's like, he's going to have a really good season, then fucking pay him. It's better to wait than to be first. Because if he isn't that good, and you still continue to see the same stuff with Derek Carr, you're able to move on from him. Don't extend him until he proves it into this new system. He's like sixth system in like eight years. And then use the money that you're not spending on Derek Carr to try and build up the offense. The defense can be the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL next year. You're not going to the playoffs. You're not going deep in the playoffs. Who cares? But continue to like bury the excuses for this offense. Go get another receiver. Go get two more receivers. Build up the offensive line. Add whatever you need to go into the season and say, hey, Derek Carr, this is where you should win. And if he's not good or if he's not like top eight, top six type of play, then don't pay him all this money to be like, because I guarantee you he's going to ask more money than what Jared Goff makes. Derek Goff makes $34 million a year. You're going to give him like 35 mil, and then then what? The defense is still bad? I mean, I, I don't know, man. I think you can't extend Derek Carr right now. You have to wait. I'm not saying cut him. but If someone ch- gives you two first-round picks for him, you freaking trade him. I don't think that would be it either, but you saw Carson Wentz get something similar. First and a second is what it was. Um, I think Derek Carr, don't extend him. Wait until he shows that he can be good in this new offense that he's supposed to be good in, and throw every single penny you have, 14th-ranked, and offensive offseason resources at trying to build up the offense around him. Who cares if the defense stinks? You still don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr. No one does. It's why he's still on the team. All right, moving off that and going into the NFC West, before we do, remember that this podcast is a proud sponsor of this podcast is Western Southern. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment and retirement solutions helps you set rest assured on game day. Team up to understand the needs and address goals with game with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com/pff. All right. Starting with the Rams who rank first, not tied for first, first in odds to win the NFC next year. Not the Bucks, not the Packers, the Rams. Their off-season resources rank is 32nd. Don't have a lot of draft picks. They don't have a lot of draft capital. They're or, or, or cap space. They're minus 14.1 million in cap space with a lot of pending free agents. Yeah. Von Miller, Odo Beckham Jr., two guys that if they want to remain first and win in the NFC, I think half they, they probably need to bring back, or they're going to have to find some solutions that aren't Ben Skoranek. Then after that, like even some death pieces, DA Williams, Darius Williams started for this team at outside cornerback. Some offensive line depth. Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, Sonny Michelle, running back depth. Like you, are, Joseph Nopum, started games for them with Andrew Whitworth. Like this is a team similar, in my opinion, to the Bucs, right? When the Bucks won the Super Bowl, everyone went into that free agency. like, there's no way they can bring them all back. Yeah. Well, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Dom Kong Su. There's no way they bring all these guys back. They're not going to be able to run it back. If the Rams perform some legitimate cap wizardry, and they're able to bring back Yvonne and Odell Beckham Jr., maybe Darius Williams, I think you can start you know, really printing the Run It Back t-shirt, t-shirts shirt t for the Los Angeles Rams. But if they have to replace a lot of those key positions, I think they're going to be kind of screwed. And the other piece of the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff is like, he's hurt. He towards ACL. Like, when do you even get him back? Are you even willing to sign him back? Do you need to
1: go elsewhere at that position? Too? I mean, you got Robert Woods coming back, so I oh, think true. they'll be fine. They're not. I, I imagine Odell's probably not going to, I mean, with torn ACL, that's going to be a tough sell to anyone this off season, sadly. For him. The the one that's like, if they could figure out a way to get back, you kind of move heaven and earth to do so is Von Miller. The different animal is Von Miller and Aaron Donald on that defensive line. That that is a come playoff time, you could just shit, you could have him red shirt all season and come playoff time, let him rip. Like the, that that was the difference maker for them, a true impact that you rarely see via midseason trade, via midseason addition. That's the guy I'm bringing back. They bring him back. They're still they they justify that first ranking in terms of like odds to win the NFC. But there's no like I said thirty second in off resource. There's no like that. This was it. It's what we talked about. They went all in for this year. This was it. There's they can run it back ish, but you're not you're not like getting there in a clean manner <laughs> to try to yeah. run this all back like you're probably going to run into more injuries next year there's just things aren't going to be as nice likely as they were this past season and it's going to take a lot of cat magic to do so but i think that's your like i said the move to make is that i wrote here is go live it up go enjoy the <laughs> fact that you just fucking went all in and won a super bowl because that was kind of that was probably it for you that now that you very well could run it back next year like it, things could go well bounce your way again next year but like you won the Super Bowls four seed. You weren't this dominant juggernaut. Like you weren't that far ahead of everyone else that one bounce, one at whatever next season, chances of them really winning it are still low, very low again next year, but go live it up. With because that being said, there's, there's no real, there's, there's not a lot of work to do. You don't have a lot of picks. You don't have a lot of cap space. You're not going to be too active. So go enjoy yourself. I think they're still going to try and retain a
0: lot of these guys. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they like, like you said, moved heaven and earth to try and retain Von Miller despite having minus fourteen point one million dollars in cash space. But with that being said, you're obviously kind of hinting at maybe they shouldn't be the favorite to win the NFC. You know, they're plus four fifty right now. The second place team there is the Niners, who we'll talk about soon at plus five fifty. Packers at plus six fifty, Cowboys at plus six fifty, and then every other team is like plus eleven hundred worse. Like is a better bet to win the NFC right now. I'm not advocating people betting futures literally the day after the Super Bowl, but Cowboys at plus six fifty, maybe after that like i don't know like is there a better bet there i i kind of like we don't know if green bay is gonna have aaron Rodgers. san francisco i hate you don't know if they're gonna have jimmy g
1: there might be some opportunity like could, should be good but they like now you have the kyler there. murray
0: stuff right yeah, like kyler murray be, first, I
1: who knows that's why it's kind of like when i first the saw nfc him, like, is first, just a bunch of bad teams but a bunch of not bad teams but teams all going the wrong direction like Rams aren't improving this offseason, Packers aren't improving this offseason, Bucks for sure aren't improving this offseason. Cowboys will have cap casualties that we'll talk about, likely aren't like improving this offseason. The teams that are improving, maybe the 49ers, if Trey Lance becomes good. Maybe shit. Like maybe the Eagles. They'll have a lot of draft capital depending on what they do. In terms of the quarterback position, could be improving, but there's not a lot of teams who were good last pro- year and then are also pointing up arrow wise.
0: Might be a prime market to bet right now because there's a lot of volatility. I don't know. like Maybe Philadelphia Eagles plus 1,600 is worth it because there's yeah. not. I mean, I, I like the Cowboys though because there's at least some consistency at quarterback there guaranteed. Rams, there is too. And maybe the Rams ultimately mm-hmm. are the best bet because Matthew Stafford's maybe the best quarterback there, but who knows? Who knows? A lot of volatility in the NFC. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and get to the Niners. Niners are the second-ranked team in odds to win the NFC, despite ranking not 32nd like the Rams, but 31st. in offseason resources rank a lot of that because they traded multiple draft picks to go get, go get Trey yeah. Lance. They also have $4.5 million in cap space, some movable cap space. If they cut uh, Samson, a boot it'll save $6.5 They could probably make some other movement elsewhere. But this team is also another one that can't, like, make any aggressive, aggressive plays to improve its team.
1: Well... The big elephant in the room is th- they're not going to cut Jimmy G, but he is due twenty six point nine million dollars next year. Is his cap hit, and that is included in that negative four point five million. So they likely trade him. I would. They have to almost. for. I don't even think they ha- likely. Yeah. They, don't, they don't borderline have to. They're going to trade him, so they're going to get that twenty five million dollars in space freed up. So they'll have something to work with. Now, what should they do with it? I- I'm of the opinion that you want like they have a lot of guys who could make an impact next year, hitting for agency. These guys like Lakin Tomlinson at guard, DJ Jones at DT, Jason Barrett at cornerback, Maurice Hurst at defense tackle, Arden Key at edge, Kowalski Tart at safety, who are like, none of those guys is going to command a massive deal. All kind of range in the mid-tier of deals at their respective position. All kind of those mid-tier players so like less than $10 million a year pretty comfortably. I'm of the opinion that you try to get as many of those guys back as possible. And because guys like Jason Barrett can play at a high level. Arden Key is ascending. He looked like a different dude down the stretch last year than he did at any point in his career. Maurice Hurst hurt this past season, a guy who we liked a lot, and they raved about uh, the D-line coach there at 49ers, talked about before he did get hurt, that they wanted. So that's my take on the sort of moves to make for the 49ers because this was a damn good team that just was a Jimmy G versus Trey Lance away from the Super Bowl. Flat out was, like they were. A better quarterback, and they are these Super Bowl champions. And you're hoping that Trey Lance, you like you made the move, right? You made the big splash. Now keep it intact to try to win it next year. Quinn, I just dropped something in Tailgate
0: that I will reference here soon. I'm gonna need you to put it on screen because it is fucking hilarious. But the comment on the 49ers situation, they are all in. You know, you talk about the Rams all in when they grabbed Von Miller and and uh made the trade for Old Beckham Jr. They are all in on Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance, because there's no I'll say it right now, there's no way. Fucking this could be on old takes exposed. There's no way Jimmy G is the quarterback of San Francisco 49ers in 2022, 2023. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. He's too much against the cap. Okay, I'm gonna caveat it. Unless they restructure his deal, which I don't think is gonna happen. I don't think they're gonna restructure his deal and then make him the starter after literally trading the entire future for Trey Lance. I think there's going to be a trade partner. Yeah, I would say at, at that and, number
1: someone's going to give up like a third.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it's going to be like, right, maybe a third and a conditional third, right? If he takes you to the playoffs, it's a second or something like that. I just don't see Jimmy Garoppolo playing for the San Francisco 49ers, knowing the cap situation and knowing that, like how is Kyle Shanahan going to even show up to a meeting with ownership and say like, yeah, I know we wanted to trade all that for Trey Lance, but I think I'm going to go Jimmy G one more year. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? What's the plan? What's your long-term plan? You made us trade all this shit for Trey Lance and now you're saying Jimmy G another year? You're dumb. We could have had all these draft picks and all this cap space to go improve this team and go win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I don't think Trey Lance, I don't think Kyle Shanahan could effectively communicate that he wants to go with Jimmy G again. I just don't. like. I think it would, it would come off foolish. So at that point, you need to be adding pieces with the little capital, little space that you have to, to try and fit Trey Lance into a situation where he can have success. And, like, that's way easier said than done. You know, more than half the league is trying to help a young quarterback on a rookie contract be successful. <laughs> it's really the name of the game right now. So I'm worried about San Francisco 49ers. A bet I would not make is them winning the NFC with the second-best odds. I would not make that bet.
1: I don't know. I'm not too worried. I Because, shit, they made the NFC championship game with bad quarterback play. So that's why I'm not too worried. It's like the bar, the bar for Trey Lance is low. And, and yeah, he didn't clear that bar, or whatever, as a rookie. But he's a rookie, and he was 20 years old when he was drafted. This guy's going to be different in year two. Everyone's different in year two. Even if he's just Jalen Hurts in year two, and that's even that's a low bar itself. This is a team that's as good as they were this past year. So I'm not as worried as you are. I I, I was about to say I like them as a bet, better bet with the second best odds than the Rams. To repeat. Yeah, like, to I do, do too. I don't NFC think chance. the
0: Rams bet's a good one, but I would not be betting the San Francisco 49ers to win the NFC when we don't even know what Trey Lance is going to be. I'm out on that. I'm out All on right. that. Now, the thing I want to pull up, Quinn has it up now, the Los Angeles freaking Rams, as of like five minutes ago, are giving away for their Super Bowl win a free Jumbo Jack with the purchase of a large string. That is embarrassing. Nice. I'd rather not take that sponsorship money than tell the people of Los Angeles, one of the best food cities in the world, that on lunch is on us a free fucking jumbo jack dude jumbo jacks are hot no
1: they're not are you kidding me
3: what's
0: jack time the last time the you had a jumbo jack good.
1: there's a jack-in-the-box uh in springfield near me i'd go every time i went you're you so you're taking it good of that salads deal. at jack-in-the-box too you're taking advantage of that deal as far as uh, if you're in l.a well if i'm in l.a yeah you're gonna take a 40-minute uber no t- to a jumbo jack I'm not ubering anywhere i'm not even in la but if i live down the street from a jacket box i'm getting jacked box okay live down the street got, maybe
0: but it's embarrassing that's embarrassing free food
1: partner someone fans. good partner someone with better food you won mm. the fucking super bowl sorry you couldn't get a steakhouse to get free steaks to everyone AJ. i'm
0: not saying like steakhouse you're... somewhere nicer even like a nicer tiered fast food restaurant
1: i think you're hating on jumbo
0: look guy. at that that's gross
1: it's a good looking burger
0: If you're listening on podcasts, I apologize, but on YouTube, look at that burger. That is bad.
1: Mm, And it's free, even better.
0: With a large drink. Anyway, off of that, onto the Arizona Cardinals, who have the six best odds, despite the Kyler Murray insanity going on right now. Have you seen some of the tweets about Kyler Murray? What do we got? Kyler Murray, according to some source, and I'm trying to find the tweet, according to Chuck Harris, who is a staff writer for CardsWire who said just heard on 98.7 okay so this isn't his report he was hearing on another probably Arizona radio station Kyler Murray is known to sit in his locker and call his girlfriend or put his earbuds in at halftime and isolate himself from the team he said if this is true it further magnifies a complete failure of the entire organization from top down (laughs) oh my gosh if Kyler Murray isolates himself and calls, calls his girlfriend during halftime this is a complete failure of the entire organization from top down. Mm. Refuse. One, if that report's true, is it ideal? Maybe not. But honestly, if you're locking yourself in one way or the other, figure out. And is it a complete failure from the organization top down? That's insane.
1: Well, Chris Mortensen did say this. Murray is described as self-centered, immature, and finger-pointer per sources.
0: And then there was a Cardinals... I think that's a Cardinals source, though, right? That's like someone from the Cardinals who's trying to gain leverage in this contract negotiation or whatever. It's all kind of sticky
1: and gross. I don't Card- know if this is a contract negotiation now. This seems like a, he's actually upset. Uh, at the organization. And yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with contract. And I think the organization is now could...
0: spitting back at him and putting this stuff out in the media to kind of give him less leverage. Because right now, everyone and their mother's like, before this, everyone was like, oh man, pay Kyler Murray every dollar. He's the only reason this Cardinals team is relevant. Then this Cardinal source go leaks out that he's immature and listen, talks to his girlfriend at halftime. Now people are like, wait a second. Do we even want to be with Kyler Murray? The team's just trying to gain leverage back. It's definitely but a contract year, thing.
1: Is it though? It's your three. Like They can just say, we're so early in the pro-. like. They've got two more years of control I I get maybe wanting no an Kyler extension. Murray wants one for sure Kyler Murray but, wants an extension but this seems this seems more than that in my opinion this seems more than posturing for an extension this seems like he's actually upset at the organization he is he is there's been reports of that too he's posturing for a contract
0: extension he's upset with the embarrassing losses in the clutch time not, not actually getting deep in the postseason and now I think the organization is spitting back at him through the sources that they have it's saying like, wait a second how about this Kyler you're fucking immature, and you talk to your girlfriend at halftime. We're getting these things out now. How do you feel about that? I feel like it's all just a dirty, dirty game. Yeah. Yeah. You hate to see it, which, again, get back to the Cardinals' offseason game plan. I think move to make number one, figure it out with Kyler Murray. I don't know what you have to do to salvage that relationship or if it's salvageable, but like you, if the, the Cardinals' closest path to a Super Bowl, fun fact, is keeping Kyler Murray. You need him. You
1: need him a part of this offense. You and need him a part of this team. And it's purely the next two years when he's not costing you that much. Yeah.
0: In this rookie contract window, exactly. So guaranteed that the Kyler Murray saga is solved and he's starting for this Arizona Cardinals team, what moves are you making? They have the 25th ranked offseason resources according to PFF, minus about a million dollars in cap space with needs everywhere. Potential for agents lost, Chandler Jones, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz, uh, A.J. Green, Chase Edmonds, a lot of t- a lot of players that they could lose. Some cuts that they could make. D.J. Humphreys would save them 15 mil. They probably need him though. Justin Pugh would save them about 10 mil. Devin Kennard and Jordan Hicks could save them about 10 mil combined. They could probably make some moves there, but what are the moves they're making? Guaranteed that, let's just assume, Kyler Murray is suiting up for the Red Sea next year.
1: Yeah, this is you know, this comes back to, and I don't want to like keep going back to this because we do a lot and but Steve Kime, the fact that they're 25th in offseason resources rank, that they are over the cap right now, and have a roster with as many holes as they do is just cat and practice. practice. Like, and the fact that like you're losing your probably second best player after Kyler Murray, okay, third best player after Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and Chandler Jones, who could very easily walk out that door and you'd never see that dude again. Like, you, they just are spending money in a, Poor fashion, because as we've said, the cheap number one overall pick. The where where we just talked about the Chargers and how much cap space they have, and the Bengals we've talked about and how they're top five in off season resources. Like the teams that have the number one overall that have that first round quarterback playing well, have this holy grail of roster building where they can spend wildly elsewhere. Well, the Cardinals kind of spent that wildly elsewhere and have not a lot to show for it, and have like I said, a lot of holes on this roster to show for it with cornerback, offensive line defensive tackle, and a wide receiver, too, all his massive needs right now. So I think what to do with that, obviously try to trim that cap space where you can with some of the guys you mentioned, Justin Pugh, Devon Kennard, Jordan Hicks. Use that to pay for some competency at quarterback. Cornerback, excuse me. I would love for them to go out and get like a Casey Hayward, who's not going to cost much. He's 33. But that dude played like a top 10 cornerback this past year for the Raiders, one healthy. Go pay for... Yeah, maybe it's a stopgap sort of deal, but this is your window. Again, Like this is where you should be getting into that Super Bowl if Kyler Murray – Super Bowl conversation if Kyler Murray has the talent around him. I think that's where you go in free agency and then come draft time with that first-round pick, you go and get a wide receiver. You're in position to be able to draft one in the first round. I think go and get yourself a real wide receiver at pick 23 – whether it's Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burke, someone's going to be there that is going to be an upgrade over not only Christian Kirk, but Antoine Wesley at the very least. So that's my No plan. more
0: Antoine Wesley slander, okay? He was solid for them. No, that's I agree. Just a
1: I fucking lie.
0: I agree with you. I mean, it comes back to what we first started when we talk about the Daniel Jeremiah stuff. You need multiple offensive playmakers because the Cardinals have one, like one. Zach Ertz isn't it. Wesley, you know, Wesley, isn't it? Like, you need multiple. You need other guys. And Rondell Moore, I don't Hunter think he's even. great,
1: but he's not. He was always the slot. Like, he was always a pure slot, hybrid, whatever, not your actual outside wide receiver. Yeah,
0: I agree. On to the Seattle Seahawks, and that will conclude the AFC and NFC West free agency offseason game plan draft extravaganza. Seahawks have the seventh best odds to win the NFC next year. No one knows what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. That seems very high. Yeah, it's very high. Talking to Doug Hyde, who's a reporter here at PFF, he feels there's a 51% chance. I asked him the percentage chance. 51% chance that Russell Wilson is not a Seattle Seahawk in 2022. Yeah, He feels pretty strongly that that is the more favorable outcome, obviously. They rank 21st in offseason resources rank. They have $36.6 million in cap space with some cuts potentially. Ugo Amadi, which I don't think mm-hmm. is enough, but could save them $2.5 million if they cut him. Some potential free agents. Dwayne Brown, the offensive tackle, will be a massive loss. Quandre Drake's the safety. DJ Reed, Gerald Everett, among others. Rashad Penny is a free agent. They could lose him. W- let's start with the here. What do they do with Russell Wilson? What are you doing
1: if you're the GM of the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson? I'm training Russell Wilson. Uh, I am not good enough to not only win now, as we saw this year, when admittedly Russell Wilson wasn't playing his best at the end of the season, but like you're bad enough and don't have enough resources that you're two or three years from legitimately getting back into the mix. At that point, Russ is going to be in his late 30s. no, No telling how his game will age with how reliant he is as a scrambler in playing outside the pocket over the course of his career. So those are big TBDs that, if I can get a nice sweetheart trade as I propose from the Eagles... Oh, what trade? A sweetheart trade? Yeah, something that's gonna give me a lot in return. I'm doing it because this, like I said, you don't have, you don't have your first round pick this year because of the Jamal Adams trade. You don't have a enough cap space to really make a massive overhaul of this roster, especially with the guys you're losing and the positions they play. Like a starting corner, a starting tackle could be gone out the door. Starting safety, to where. Someone offers me a lot for Russell Wilson. I'm willing to do it. And especially with all the smoke and whatever that's been between him and the organization. And I, does he even want to be there? I'm making that move. I
0: think yeah. a team will offer a lot, right? Like, yep. what do you think the yep. market is? I think it's multiple first-round picks. I think so, too. Think multiple first-round ones. picks allows you to reset that position for a roster that's, like, you compare them to the Broncos, right? Mm-hmm. Broncos are not, the Broncos have a objectively better roster than what Seattle has right now. Not even close. It's not even close. With yeah. the Seattle Seahawks, Mass, yeah. they have the quarterback, but the roster is, is a is not in a place to compete for a Super Bowl. I think you move on from him, really reset there. Now the thing with resetting, though, and the elephant in the room is just how. What do you do with Pete Carroll? Like Pete Carroll, how many more That's years? Does, how many more years does Pete Carroll have? Yeah. Not not like I'm not saying he's gonna die. I'm saying he's old as shit though. He's old as shit. He got among did just NFL coach. Is he not the oldest he's head coach?
1: He's the oldest head coach in the NFL, I believe, or Belichick or him. One of them.
0: Oldest but. head coach in the NFL is Bruce Arians actually. No, Pete Carroll, seventy. Pete Carroll at 70 years old. Okay. There's no way. There's no way he coaches like five more years. Yeah. He's probably got a couple more years left. And if you move on from Russell Wilson, do you move on from Pete Carroll? Does Pete Carroll retire this offseason? That could be kind of a bombshell. If they
1: move on from Russell Wilson, I would not be surprised if Carroll's like uh, he, out. He has to, right? I mean, I would, I would don't think he at this but that would age put would have to. But such lift behind
0: him. the eight ball and getting a new head coach. I don't know if he's going to do that. That almost puts me in this position where I don't think they are going to trade Russell Wilson. They would have already announced some of that, and Carroll would have already retired because they're on the outside looking in at a new head coach.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man,
0: I don't know. Seattle will be another fun team to follow. I think I'm with you in that they trade him, but honestly, what do you? Maybe Pete Carroll is just there for the year one of the rebuild. They advocate that he doesn't draft a quarterback. They wait till 2023. They become this like favorite to win, maybe get the number one overall pick next year. Who knows? Should be a wild one. But but just
1: looking at this roster, it's like what building blocks do you have at this point to really? hang your hat on as a team. You, you have Jamal Adams. That's your, you know, building block. You broke the bank for him, whatever. You're you're tied with him. Bobby Wagner's on his last legs. It's like you already saw a downturn in his play this past year. I would say Tyler Lockett is getting up there to where you're not relying on him for four or five years down the road. DK Metcalf is probably your only other one besides Jamal Adams. Those are your two building blocks. You need a lot of help and a lot of valuable positions to where it's just it's not going to get... Like, you trade Russell Wilson, you are in the mix for the number one overall pick next year. And that's probably a good thing. That's probably where you want to be if you're the Seattle Seahawks right now because you're kicking the can hard if you keep Russell Wilson for another year because there's no, like I said, 21st and offseason resource rank. There's no drastically improving what needs to be improved on this roster by next season.
0: Brutal if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. I think a lot of Seattle Seahawks fans would have much rather you said keep Russ, try out one more year with the 70-year-old head coach and see if you can make it work. I just don't think that will happen. Like, I, In addition to like I don't think that's what the outcome will be, I also don't think even if you did everything right this offseason with the 21st ranked offseason resources ranked according to PFF, I don't think it's enough to get the Super Bowl. I don't think it's enough. Even in a weak NFC where we talk about the Rams are kind of in flux with losing Von Miller potentially and others as well. San Francisco 49ers have no idea what Trey Lance will be. Aaron Rodgers could be on his way to the AFC. I still don't think it's enough for the Seattle Seahawks to come out of this, even with Russell Wilson as this kind of juggernaut. But, again, we will see how it unfolds. One more ad read before we get to the fun-to-read segment, Manscaped roses are red violets are blue don't let a wild pube wreck you valentine's day is just around the corner it's actually today and our sponsors at manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion it's v-day it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust manscaped the leaders in below the waist grooming with our exclusive offer go to manscaped.com and use code pff for 20 percent off plus free shipping holidays went by so quickly did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job the performance package 4.0 for manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make sure every day is just a little more special manscaped created their products for a night just like this and will make your valentine's day date say wow great set of balls you have there look at that quinn pulling up on the youtube here the performance package 4.0 is 120 bucks and we're telling you can get it for 20 percent off promo code pff let's go let's okay. go you're telling me you don't want the ball toner and the ball deodorant is that a nose trimmer too is that for your asshole what is that i've been using that for my note. asshole <laughs> it's been working <laughs> hey, whatever gets the job done but uh it's both. can you zoom in on that quinn that little thing in the middle there that one next to the shaver or just highlight it with your cursor i, I, I c- mean i guess you're kind of need is that is or you can click on the image to the left see the image to the left a little yeah yeah
1: one more down natured to a uh that i think needs to go in your butt that's probably i mean the whole size wise they're probably not too dissimilar no um could it's called the, in, weed I'm not sure it the Weed Whacker. Ear yeah. and nose hair trimmer. That's the Weed Whacker for
0: your ear and nose. Okay. But I'll tell you right now, I've been using it on my butt and it's been clean. You think your V-Day date's telling you what, wow, great set of balls you have there? I use the Weed Whacker. They're like, great set of asshole. Great pair. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code PFF, join Cupid, and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Wow, the Weed Whacker's been going to fucking work. Uh, don't go... Make sure if you use the weed whacker in certain areas, don't. it's not versatile, right? You don't want to be going n- yeah. nose and ear with that piece the pause. Need two to go. <laughs> all right, fun to read. We have a loaded fun to read. A lot of good stuff on this one today. Make sure if you aren't listening on YouTube, or you should go check out the YouTube version of the fun to read segment. It's always fun. Quinn does a great job of putting all the tweets up there. Number one, I don't want him to play. Are you going to have him play this entire video?
1: Yeah, you gotta see the entire video. That's All right,
0: incredible. Quinn, play the entire video. Number one is from Chase Snyder. It is Coach O, or formerly known as Coach O. It's just O now. It's O now. With some of the wildest shit ever on his Adrian Peterson recruiting story.
2: Who broke your heart? Is there one that stands out? Oh, Adrian Peterson. Oh. Man, I loved him. I loved Adrian. Oklahoma better offered a better package oh, it, to him. It, this this true story. We go we go down to see Adrian, me and Pete. And uh, his mother ran track in, I think it was at Houston, wonderful lady. And Adrian and I had a great relationship. He loved Pete Carroll, but I felt like he and I were very tight. One time he says, coach, I uh, went to this school. He says, coach, I want you to follow me. I couldn't, I couldn't drive with him. We went 30 miles. I said, I didn't know where we are going. We stopped at this little country store and he bought a gingerbread cookie. I couldn't buy it for him for supper. And then we went to a basketball game, and we sat, in the, sat in, the, in the gym, and I said, what are we doing? He said, you see that guard right there? I got to play him next week. Coach come to kind of... scout him. How about that? <laughs> then he, I said, well, Adrian, what is the key to getting you here at USC? He says, Coach, well, Bob Stoops, my dad is incarcerated. Bob Stoops won't see him. Well, me and Pete Carroll tried to go get him. And to go see him, they wouldn't let us in. But Adrian said, Coach, my dad is be able to watch my games where he's at. Well, if I go to Oklahoma, I tried to get the guy transferred to Los Angeles. (laughs) Wait, you (laughs) tried to get Adrian's dad? (laughs) Yeah, I tried. (laughs) How does that happen? Uh, I competed. I competed. Couldn't get it done, but I competed.
0: Well, what the first reaction I had in that video was think of all the thousands of recruiting stories that are like as absurd and yeah, more here. Yeah, that Sad. also Dan Patrick getting all that on his show, all sponsored by Mercedes Benz in the right corner. fuck You that is a sick ass video, a sick ass clip from an interview with a close friend of the show. He fist bumped us both, he looked like he recognized you. Coach O was a big friend fan of ours at the senior bowl, but still, that story is absurd. Patrick
1: is a king interviewer, he's as good as gets yeah. in the game. No, I agree, I agree. Uh, The thing that I loved about that was that he ends it with the compete, just like so coach speak as if he's just, you know, him doing Oklahoma drill, just got to compete is, is what he is, his justification or not justification is his, how he explains Trying to get someone's dad moved to a different prison.
0: <laughs> I love it. Personally, like some people will frown on that kind of that was That oh, is exactly what I want. If I was a coach yeah. in college and that recruiters are asking for the type of energy I'm looking for, it's that. Yeah, I want you fucking deep. I want you making plays on his dad in prison or anyone in prison. He's got a best friend in prison. Make a play. Make yeah. a play. You know, we're LSU. You know, that's what I'm saying. Your coach has some big ass program and you got some pull, you got some, like, go make a play. I think that's that's be, the
1: move. That's how you assemble one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's,
0: you got to be in the trenches, dude. You yeah. got to be. It's not as simple as like, we, oh, give him ten thousand to play here. Like you, people think that's the extent of the dirt. Jim, John Harbaugh, am I right? It's Jim. No, Jim Harbaugh slept at a kicker's house to try and get him to commit to Michigan. You have that other story. I was talking to Flack. Fleck flew out. Daniel, Daniel Falele's mom. Yeah. Instead, no other team flew out his mom. Every, he flew out his mom, helped get some of his teammates on, his walk-ons.
1: Like, he did some, like, he, This is the shit you have to do. You have to make wild plays to go get these players. Well, the, we didn't even talk about it. How he got Joe Burrow in the first place, or one of the bigger reasons why he got Joe Burrow, was he told Joe's brother to grow a pair <laughs> and call his brother and tell him to go to LSU. Oh. He basically just alphaed Joe Burrow's brother. Just told him to grow a pair and call his brother and tell him to go to LSU. I mean, I think I think Coach O could alpha alpha anyone. Yeah, I mean, and he alphaed the fuck out of me on the sidelines. He Just did. He fist-bucked <laughs> you. Like, took me well by surprise. I had no clue what to say.
0: All right, more fun to read. So we can skip over the the booger tweet that I highlighted, the sacks 70 times one. Let's get to the Jared Evans one, which is a clip of Snoop Dogg preparing for the halftime show the only way he knows best. This is incredible. This is incredible. The fact that we got this on camera is just fantastic.
1: This not surprised. Like, this one's like not – why does he have to hide it? He's in California. I, get, I mean, I get probably why he has to hide smoking weed before his performance. But like – Yeah, that's why. This one's not – this one – you Still great. You assumed this one would have happened. Like yeah. you, in your head, you're like, yeah, okay. You knew – okay, here's a tip. I know. Though. You knew he was high. You didn't know he was that up to the
0: minute with it. Like making sure he was as high as it gets. TikTok doesn't do the, any performance, not high, but he's literally like, okay, we're about three, two. Yeah. Well, all right, we're back. We're live. Like that's that's I mean, that's just, you know, snoop to a T. Again, I just assumed that was
1: gonna happen.
0: Should we get to um off the halftime show? <laughs> Should we get to uh oh, yes. um Sam's tweet? Or I don't know if we had it queued up. Or no, is that save your likes? Should we keep it for the save your likes? So let's keep it for the save your likes. All right, all right. All right. All right. Next one from my sports update, which this is a combo deal. Eli Apple getting absolutely crucified on the timeline. Michael Thomas comes at him. Eli going to Eli after he gives up the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, that's a big apple to eat, obviously hinting at Eli Apple. Then Nicole Hardman comes out. It's cool, big bro. You might get one of these one day, but in the meantime, just go, be- go get better at your craft. Oh, my goodness. Michael Hardman is absolutely toasting. I mean, Eli Apple was everyone's enemy after he gave up that TD.
1: Oh, I mean – you can't go scorched earth prior to winning a Super Bowl. Acting like a divisional round win is your Super Bowl and telling every fan base that's ever hated on you, rightfully so may I add, you were not good for any of those teams. So, you can't go scorched earth on all those fan bases and then cry when it gets back to no, you. No, I agree. Cuz it was and always going to get. Eli Apple
0: down. was crying. I mean, Eli it Apple, wasn't. it was just Yeah, desserts.
1: To, to, it wasn't. But I, you can't, I don't feel bad for the guy one bit. I, those tweets cracked me up. And this reminded me, I went back and looked up the anonymous scout quotes. He had one of the best anonymous scout quotes of all time about him. Bob McGinn of the formula of the Journal Sentinel, who has pulled all the anonymous scout quotes for years that are all fantastic. This was the quote, he said, from an anonymous scout about Eli Apple coming out. I worry about him because of off, fiel- off the field issues. The kid has no life skills at all. Can't cook. Just a baby. He's not a first round for me. He scares me to death, and it's like one of those where, as an out at the time, everyone's like, "Well, what the fuck is that? That's a ridiculous statement." Whatever, dude was kind of right. <laughs> dude was kind of right. There was a who we were
0: talking to a coach in the NFL who said they wouldn't take Devonte Parker because he doesn't eat breakfast and he only knows how to make cereal. Like there's some like that can't cook thing. I think that's the second time I've heard that. In NFL circles, we're like, yeah, he can't cook. And like, that's a red flag.
1: And like the skinny knees with Teddy Bridgewater, everyone's like, skinny knees, what the fuck? And he has like one of the most gruesome knee injuries in practice. Okay, that's
0: a little different. A little different. But (laughs) so on the Meeko Harmon stuff, I added this one late.
1: Scout quotes are spot on. I'm not saying spot on, but like, there's a reason people these are pattern recognitions for some of these things. This was a late ad. I asked Quinn to
0: throw it on because I know we were going to be bringing up Mecole, who's like, I think he had two different tweets roasting Eli Apple. But while we were at the Super Bowl, Mecole Hardman was there. And he was walking around with Mecole Hardman, was a guy dressed as a bellhop carrying all his shoes, Mecole Hardman's shoes. So look at this. Look at this. He's got like a like eight boxes of shoes, and there was a point where the bellhop—he was sitting down for an interview. Nicole Hartman sitting down for an interview, and the bellhop opens up a box like this, like fucking wedding engagement season. And Nicole grabs them out, slips them on, and does the interview where no one can see his feet anyway. <laughs> it was the most power move shit I've ever seen. Anonymous scout tweet that. Yeah, I don't know about Nicole. Guy walks around with a freaking guy dressed as a bellhop. Shoe hop. Shoe hop. It was absurd. It was a weird power move. I felt yeah. bad for the guy. the guy. The guy looked like an asshole dressed as the bellhop on Super Bowl Radio Row.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine being – I don't know why anyone would want to do that to another human being. That's a dick move. It's house. weird. It's a weird
0: It's a weird play. Yeah. A couple more heart, fun to reads, fun to watch. Vernon Hargraves gets a personal foul penalty for running out of the field celebrating an interception with Jesse Bates. Dude. This
1: is absurd. It's like you, you... – you want to say, oh, why didn't Vernon Hardgraze? What was in his physical profile that, you know, didn't work out? Top 10 pick, corner, where'd we go wrong? And then you see shit like this, and you're like, this guy just is not bringing, he's not bringing his all. Uh, let's say, oh, he's bringing his all. Let's, let's say mentally to, to, the, <laughs> to the game. You know, like that's, that's not a guy out there thinking on the field, on his feet there. That was just a horrible, that's just a dumb, it's hilarious. I mean, it's fun as shit to watch, but yeah, that that's is, great.
0: It's great. Last one on the Fun to Read segment. Um, which I'm slowly realizing. I want to apologize to podcast listeners who don't watch on YouTube because it's so much of a better segment on YouTube. Yeah, an you got to go watch on YouTube.
1: It's fun shit. But this, this, is, this is the tweet that the fun to read segment was started for. Yes, yes. So
0: this is from Chris Adamski, who I think is a Pittsburgh beat writer. He writes, yeah. or he writes for the Pittsburgh Tribune. Yeah, he quote tweets Seth Walder, who sent out the QBRs for the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Bro had a 39.7. He says, Mason Rudolph is verifiably statistically better in his lone start this season than Joe Burrow was in the Super Bowl, but yeah, everyone wants to tell me Mason is the worst QB they ever saw. One, even if that was true, is a shit take.
1: Just calm on. Stop. You're right for the your, up, your upshot here is you're saying Mason's good? Is that like what yeah. you're trying to say? Then you're utterly absurd. Then if, if you, you scroll down. are saying one game better than Joe Burrow, that's even more absurd. But- This is even the best
0: part. I think this might be a screenshot, actually, so you might not be able to scroll down. But there, there was a reply from Seth Walder at some point where Seth Walder said, that's wrong. Rudolph posted a 39.1 in that game Which was lower than Joe Burrow's thing And then he replies He says what? So you're saying Rudolph is the worst Quarterback in the world? Because that's what you're saying That was my lone take to refute Talk about insane, guy's digging his heels in like a Motherfucker, dude He
1: does not realize he looks like a crazed person I'm not owned, I'm not exactly. owned, I'm not owned That's right. He problem. looks crazy And All right. that's why it's the fun to read segment
0: On to the save your likes segment Appreciate everyone who's gone through the fun to reads With us, save your likes, this one's from me for me, you Cincinnati is buzzing.
1: See, I even commented.
0: I, I said, "Save your likes. Don't like it." I wasn't getting people. I don't want people liking that tweet.
1: I intentionally did not tweet yesterday. I knew I was going to come with some bad stuff because the energy was high, and then it got a little too high. And the banks that were, were down at the banks between the two stadiums, and it was packed to the fucking. It was, was two packed. It was two packed. So we went back home. And it was to watch, snowing outside. I wanted to watch the game, and it was snowing. It was crazy atmosphere, but ended up not actually watching. On the street with everyone else, just watching my place. But I was like, I'm not gonna tweet, or else I'm gonna probably tweet some save your like stuff because I was, you know, caught up in the moment myself. It was a good time.
0: But Cincinnati was buzzing. That was at eleven thirty-nine a.m. The game does not start on the East Coast till six thirty, but there was like a two-mile line to get in into yard house. Yeah. And yard so, house is objectively shit.
1: So at ten thirty, the bars open until eleven, we I went to go get in line to Holy Grail and the like we were at a point in line where we may not have gotten in still half hour before the bar opened. So I was like, I'm gonna make a pivot, go somewhere else. And we did. It was good.
0: Save your likes on that one. The other one, <laughs> this one should, just have an been, this should have been fun to read, dude. Cause this, and is, this one, is we again, were dying why I didn't laughing yesterday. Sam Monson during the famed halftime show. <laughs>
1: I can't look at this tweet. He wrote, I'll, I'll read it. He's wrote this in a completely serious manner, I believe. I don't think this was no, like this a No, this is joke. serious. I This is serious. He wrote, Eminem is going to take the roof off this. Joint. <laughs> the replies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why are you white? There's another one that says, whitest tweet ever.
2: Oh my gosh. It oh was my just... gosh.
0: Oh, wait, wait. Scroll to that one, Quinn. What did that one say? There's
1: there's not a lot. One more down. There's
0: really not a lot to say. An about undercover it. cop sitting next to me just said this for pay <laughs>
1: It was really like it's just it didn't hit the way he thought it was gonna has
0: happen. Sam ever said joint ever <laughs> yeah. has Sam said the word joint was there a gun to his head was this a sponsored tweet
1: Eminem is gonna take the roof off this joint it's like I'm dying this is hilarious it's like what people said unironically maybe 2006 and like that was, it was I need to read the quote tweets I need I need to and has not been said since 2006 in an unironic manner
0: this is this is a, this is a pff ass tweet if i ever seen one <laughs> Dude, yeah,
1: he
0: got quote tweeted something
1: <laughs> babe wake up new pff
0: cringe tweet just dropped
1: everyone hated him for this tweet it just was it was one of those that
0: what a sensational piece that is hilarious i'm so glad we included that right. eminem gonna take the Take the roof off this <laughs> joint. All right, last thing oh, here, and thanks. this is going to be a mainstay on the Monday episode. Fun to read, save your likes, and then obviously the Power Rankings tweet, where we Power Rank something. Mm-hmm. Now, in honor of Super Bowl Monday, we ranked Hangover Remedies. I'm not hungover. I had like two beers yesterday. I was kind of like frustrated with the fucking energy of Cincinnati and the snow. I ended up not drinking pretty much anything Also, I just like, wanted to watch the game. But I do know a lot of people are hungover today, especially if you're in Los Angeles, a big Rams fan for the last three days or whatever it's been.
1: Hangover remedies. Okay. Go ahead and start with your number one. I found this one late in life, sadly, but it's the best thing i found. And it is drink a glass of water with BCAAs before you go to bed. Now you can get BCAAs in like powder form, pill form, whatever. (laughs) That shit works. You wake up much better off than... Like leave or any of like the medicines people will tell you to take. No. BCAA is in glass of water before bed. Best one in my opinion.
0: Alrighty then. I went actually I think you're probably right there. I have never actually so a reason I didn't rank them high is I'd never done them. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of food, specifically carbs and water before bed.
1: See, late night food doesn't sit well with me. A lot of times my hangovers are like stomach in nature. Really? And a lot of time that's because I'm, you know, gassing a pizza. It's two AM. It's not
0: But my take is for hangover for me, it's like the headache, right? Like the headache and like the inability to move the next day, which we've all had. And like, if you like house, Hmm. like waffle house or IHOP or like something, just carp, fries, pizza, burgers, and then a ton of water. Yeah. Your stomach's going to hurt the next day. No one said you were going to feel great, (laughs) but like, if you want to avoid the like mind splitting headache, I do think that is the best method. However, I'm going to add this. That's a pretty, both of ours are shit. Number ones. Cause like, no one's thinking about the hangover the day
1: exactly. before, bro. It's like, That's dude, a free uh, yeah. free caring about the hangover is a In and of itself is a cheat. you know. So let's get to number two. My number two. It's like, don't drink as much as my hangover
0: cure. (laughs) (laughs) My hangover cure, abstinence. (laughs) Like like that one, like what's the safest way of having sex? Don't. Exactly. What's the safest way of skiing? Don't ski. All right. Unlimited, my number two. And you actually told me this when I had one of the worst hangovers of my life at the senior bowl like three years ago. Like don't stop drinking water. Like even when you think you're full and you don't, don't like literally and that is kind of a cheat too but i'm gonna hammer it home the number one my favorite thing if you did not eat before or drink a ton of water before it's like literally as soon as you wake up and you know you have a hangover start drinking water and don't stop like gallons 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 piss yourself keep going if you actually want to be functional that day you can obviously like have a lazy day and whatever but like if you need to work the next day like a super monday situation
1: you got to be housing water housing it yeah see that's that one i didn't put on here because that's almost just i didn't even like think about that's just a given for me now that the next day i drink water until it makes me like uncomfortable that i'm drinking water so that one's that the the one that works that Probably shouldn't work, but like, you sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes it's dire straits. It's, it's the little hair of the dog. Putting down three to four drinks, I have come to realize, is a preferred method of getting you back when you are like on your deathbed, when you're really hurting. Just like a few, not enough to get drunk, but just a few to like get your body kind of that middle state between very, very hurting and yeah, you know, and back to completely sober. You need sometimes <laughs> that middle state, and that's three or four beers. So here,
0: I've never actually had the hair of the dog work for me. I think I just, like, all it does for me is like maybe like numb the headache a little bit, but either way, I'm still feeling like shit. I've never had the hair of the dog work for me. I'm not saying it's not a good ranking, but like I'm, it's personally not, not been okay. something that's worked for okay. me. Number three, this one's interesting. And I'm, I'm excited for your reaction to this, but this has worked for me a couple of times. <laughs> tell everyone you're not hungover. <laughs> if you, okay. So you're hungover okay. shit. If you, it, it's kind of mind over matter. If you tell everybody I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm not hungover. It kind of works. Okay. Even if you are hungover as shit. If you try and like give off this vibe that you're not hungover. I'm good. No, I'm, good. I'm, good. I'm, good. I'm good. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Then you are. It'll, it'll feel better. Now, will it cure it? No. It's a reason it's number three on this list. But I'll tell you what. If you go to the next day and you say
1: you're hungover as shit, you're going to yeah. feel it, buddy. You're going to be all in on that. I do agree. If you're leaning into it and be like, oh, i never drink again. I feel so bad. Yeah. Then, you, then you feel worse. My number three is a lot of pancakes and then a nap. Because the oh. pancakes put you to sleep pretty easily nap always helps so pancakes and naps my number three
0: i like it i like it it's a good list yeah it's a good list i'm I, I like my ranking i might try the bcas but i like my have ranking. to
1: try you're telling everyone you're not hungover try <laughs> that one.
0: i've done it before you put sunglasses on you're like yeah i'm fine i'm not hungover everything's fine guys eventually you're like you know what maybe i am okay all right that's gonna do it for this episode until wait I got interviews. Interviews with Danny Kelly from The Ringer. We talk a lot about the wide receiver cornerback class. Then I got interviews with, these were recorded before the Super Bowl, so I have their Super Bowl predictions on here. You can make fun of them then. But Jerry Judy from the Denver Broncos and Khalil Herbert of the Chicago Bears. Let's get in. Now joining the Tailgate podcast is The Ringer's Danny Kelly, a frequent friend of the show. Mike Renner took an early flight back to Cincinnati. I think he had one too many yesterday, so it's just going to be me <laughs> and you. Nice. Me and you ripping it up. I am... A huge fan of the work that you do for the Ringer slash Spotify, the Draft Guy that you have been doing. How long have you been doing the Draft Guy now? This is my fourth season, actually. Dude. kind of flies by. I remember we were. I think the first time I met you in person was either at the Combine or Senior Bowl a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember I was just waxing poetic about how much I love the UI and the UX of the Ringer. Yeah,
3: draft I always like to pretend to take credit for that because I absolutely designed it all myself. Oh yeah, you coded it? I, no, I didn't do any of that. So, <laughs> um, it just makes it look really, really nice. It does. It does lends a little bit of credibility,
0: which mm-hmm. I like. You know, yeah. Go ahead and Google the Ringer or draft guide, you'll find at the NFL draft guide. It's updated with the top 32 players, according to you. And we were talking a little bit before we were recording. I don't want to talk about the QBs. Yeah. We, I've talked to every We've single person here about the QBs. Okay, yeah. QBs aren't good, period. All right. There's a couple guys that maybe you'll draft in the first round, but right. none of them are all that great. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this offensive tackle <laughs> class. I am a huge fan of this offensive tackle class, and it looks Same. like you are as well. You, yep. have two, you have three offensive tackles in your top five. At 3-4-5, of NC State, Charles Cross of Mississippi State there at number four on your board, and then Evan Neal of Alabama. I guess the first question is, because they're
3: so close together, right, how interchangeable are those guys for right. you? I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think they're vibes guys. Like, it's depending on your vibes is how you're going to like these guys. Mm-hmm. Kiwani was, like, obviously a, a mauling run game guy. He has a little bit of work to do in the passing game. Charles Cross, on the other hand, is, like, a really good pass protector but maybe has some work to do in the in the run game. And then Evan Neal is just, like, massive dude who's really good in all ranges, mm-hmm. um, played in multiple positions, all that stuff. So um, it really is, I think, just a vibe thing. I think if I had to put money down right now, Neal is going to be the first one that gets picked. Um, but I just kind of like I, – I don't know. Kwanu is just really fun to watch. I he's, yeah. <laughs> like, throwing guys and moving around. Like, he moves really well, super athletic. So um, this isn't, I think, an elite top-heavy draft – or, like, there's going to be – three blue chip guys. I think all these guys probably go in the top 10. Although I guess there is some discussion that Cross might fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I've seen this in some mock drafts that maybe the nfl isn't quite as high on him as as draft twitter is so that's gonna be an interesting one to see but i think Aquanu and neil go really really high. I, I think some of the rumors at least
0: of what i've heard with charles cross's falls that he's just simply and this is by no fault of his own in my opinion not going to test as well as some of these other guys yeah. right i think Aquanu yeah. and neil are supposed to be like these athletic explosive freaks whereas cross sure, sure. is smooth moving but not necessarily going to be an outlier with his broad jump and those totally. things whereas evan neil like might like break records at the combine. And that's ultimately why I think when you're saying he's the guy first off the board, I'm in alignment with you there. You said Ikea Aquan is fun to watch. Yeah. He's also fun to talk to. He is a guy that I've had, I've had multiple times on this podcast. He's one of the funniest dudes in this draft class. We actually, after we were done recording, I had like a, highlight cut up of all his, like, big blocks. Yeah. And there's one on the on the end zone angle of the All-22. You can see him drive into the sideline and, like, lay on him. I was like, what's your thought process <laughs> yeah, yeah. here, Icky? And he's like, dude, I want to hurt everyone I play against. Just it's like that, that. And like you said, it's the vibes thing, right? We had Benjamin Solak on recently, and he talked about, hey, if you want to pass protect a ton and you want to drop back, you know, 40 times a yep. game, Charles Cross is going to be your guy. Yep. If you want a road grade, like maybe like the Baltimore Ravens, you're going to be Icky Aquando all day long. So Absolutely. I do think that – if your team is running the football consistently and wants to have that like layer of dominance up front, it's obvious. And yep. he offers that positional versatility, right? A lot of people totally. like him kicked inside the guard and so forth. Evan Neal too, I think could play any position yep. along the offensive line, maybe not center at six foot seven, but he is another <laughs> right. talented offensive right. tackle prospect as well. Am I crazy to say though, that there is a decent drop off after those three, right? Mike yeah, Renner I on this so. show has talked about Bernard Raymond, maybe slipping into the top 20, top 15, the central Michigan offensive tackle. A lot of people like Trevor Penning, Mm-hmm i don't know i think after the top three there is a bit of a drop off for me
3: yeah I, you know i put Penny in the top 32 for my first one and then um i kind of go back and forth on him there were some plays where i'm like this guy he looks the part he's really tall really long really <laughs> physical strong he plays with an edge you know all that good stuff there were times where his footwork is a little clunky and obviously he's playing against a lower level of competition so there are times where he's just you know dominating yeah. guys that are not going to be playing on sunday so um I think he's a tough one. It didn't sound like he had a great, great senior bowl. I think it was sort of just like hit and miss there. Um, So it's going to be very interesting to see if he sneaks into the first round. So I do agree with you, though. That's interesting is – Potentially top 10, three guys in top 10, and then maybe no more in the first round. Maybe at
0: the back end of the first, though, just because of positional value. like These guys slip
3: in. But if you want an offensive
0: tackle in this class, it's looking more and more like... If you want a high-ceiling offensive tackle in this class, it's looking more and more like you're going to have to get one of those top three guys. But Mike and I actually were having a conversation recently on this podcast about... With offensive tackle, you know, you set these thresholds for arm length and you want guys at a certain level of explosiveness because you're chasing this high end. Right. But we know the value of an average tackle, right? It's it's way more than the value of an average receiver or an average at yep. other positions. Yep. There are a lot of, I think, high floor average tackles in this class, so much that I can get behind maybe a Bernard Raymond at right. the back end of the first round or some of these other guys like Trevor Penning, even if, he could, even if he's penalized a lot at the next level, maybe we can get past it. <laughs> yeah. You know what he kind of reminds me of? I don't think I've seen this comp yet, but a little bit of Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles coming out of Utah. Yeah, I think yeah. he, he, that's the type of. I mean, you remember like Bulls hard-headed. Fucking, yeah. That guy was nasty, nasty dude. Exactly. Nasty dude. Uh, let's get to receiver. I, I'm excited about how you have these guys outline another back-to-back-to-back situation <laughs> for receiver. Traylon Burks as your wide receiver one. Garrett Wilson at 12. Or uh, Traylon Burks is your wide receiver one at number eleven yep. on your big board. Yep. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver two at twelve, and then Drake London at thirteen. Then you even have just a little bit down the road here, Jamison Williams at seventeen, and Chris Olave. Those are your top five. Yep. Traylon Burks, wide receiver one. Debo Samuel, shades of Debo Samuel with a power up mushroom <laughs> is a phenomenal comp. In my, it's a pho- phenomenal do comp you to say you out loud. You know I like um, that. I like that.
3: Yeah, he's he's such an interesting one because I think they're definitely. You know, he's a little more raw in terms of his route running, his polish, all that stuff. But he has the pedigree, like former big, uh, like four-star, five-star guy. Um, you know, size, speed, combo, explosiveness. I think he can accelerate really, really fast. That's kind of why you reminded me of Debo. It's mm-hmm. like he doesn't really look like he's moving that fast, but then he like runs away from cornerbacks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. He, that's just kind of where I went with that. Obviously, you know he's got a long way to go before he's Debo <laughs> Samuel, one of the best receivers in the NFL slash running backs. Um, but they use him in a variety of ways. He's going to have to prove at the next level. I think that he can play outside consistently, and I think he can because he has that size, speed, and he can get off the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think he's a lot of fun, and he's. This is also totally a vibes thing. Like the, yeah. the receiver class is vibes because if you want a polished, the receiver
0: class is vibes. it's all
3: vibes, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, if you want a guy who's smooth route runner can get deep like get olave if yeah. you want James, if you want a guy like that can take the top off your defense like explosive explosive guy that's like jamison williams um garrett wilson is kind of like a combo of all that he he reminds me actually of Kadarius tony a little bit just okay. like his suddenness um I, what who did i actually ended up giving him to odell yeah he, he's kind of got the odell like skill set like he can do it all he has the one-handed catch ability he's got really long arms he can jump up and catch balls that are like way out of his catch range um but he's also really sudden after the catch, so like that, that I think you know, depending on what offense you have, that can be really really useful early on. And then Drake London again vibes. He's just like a rebounder. He's mm-hmm. like going up and boxing out guys. Um, you know the the uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside comp i think is probably going to get thrown out there a little bit because he doesn't separate quite as much as everybody else but i always just see him more like a mike evans like you're just winning with your size your body positioning your understanding of how to leverage Mm -hmm. like at what at the catch point um so i think you know this is just like an incredibly good class maybe not like as good as some of the classes we've had over the last Mm -hmm. few years but that's hard to match yeah though. so I think this is gonna be a really good receiver class and I'm, I'm excited about some of the guys like in round two too mm-hmm. the, the way
0: I've looked at this receiver class is even with these top guys right Drake London Williams Olave Wilson Burks I still feel that not all of them are like scheme proof wide receiver ones mm-hmm. but they do have like high high end wide receiver two floors at least yeah. some of these top guys right like yeah. Garrett Wilson I feel like has a high end wide receiver two floor I feel like Jameson Williams has a high end wide receiver two floor that's where I feel with the class, and for Drake London the J.J. Arthago wideside comp for me stops when you look at the target volume and where he was getting those targets, right? So much yeah. of J.J. Arthago widesides production and highlight reel was in the red zone. Right. Where you just don't throw it up. Yeah, just him. throw it up yeah. and make a play. Whereas Drake London was getting like 15 targets a game, dude. And like yeah. actually making plays on. A vertical and horizontal route tree, making plays uh, for USC, and went, they knew where the ball was going, and he was still able to obviously
3: haul those balls in. Yeah, and he all was that going stuff. deep. They were using him as a yak guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a possession guy. He can line up all over the field. He yeah. has experience outside and the inside. So, yeah, I mean that that's going to be like the you know the worst case scenario type. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of that type type of situation with White Whiteside, but. I don't know. I don't really see it. I think he's, he's got more like the upside of like a Mike Evans type player yeah. where, you know, you I use the, that size to your advantage. I think the comp that we've thrown around here at PFF is Brandon Marshall.
0: Brandon oh, Marshall for yeah, yeah. Drake London. And I, I also, the other receiver that I like, and I think I'm going to like him more than maybe a lot of others in this class is Chris Olave. And Chris Olave, the comp yeah. I have for him is Calvin Ridley. That's the type yeah. of player you're getting. Whereas like Calvin Ridley, you know, obviously, has dealt with a lot of stuff off the field, and you hope to see him back on the football field. But he's always been this high-end wide receiver, too. Has he ever been like a true wide receiver, one and changed the like game? Like an alpha, like an alpha, that, no. Yeah. But what high-end wide receiver, too, like how it really changes offenses, right? Sure. Especially if you pair him up with someone that has a trump card. You know, something like a Traylon Burks or a DK, a guy that can come out and like he offers something rare and unique that maybe isn't as versatile as an Olave, But you right. bring in this guy who has a trump card or a rare, you know, rare skill set pair him with a guy that can run up and down all the route tree. I think that's where Alave, man, if you end up with Alave as some of these other guys come off the board, a London, a Wilson, a Jameson Williams, you're going to be very happy with that decision because I just don't see yeah. this guy like all all out failing at the next level. That's just totally. not where I'm at them. I think with that.
3: he's going to be so interesting because I think, well, first of all, I agree with you completely. I think he's going to be one of the best values at the, in this class because he's probably not going to be the first guy picked. He might be the fifth or sixth guy picked. Yeah. Maybe later. Who knows? Um, but people are going to ding him because he went back to school instead of going into the nfl last dominator year. dominator rating screwed right <laughs> i mean the analytical profile isn't quite there he was like the third best people are going to say this all the next few months he was the third best receiver on his team i get that i love that by the way he was starting ahead of jameson williams who <laughs> might go higher in the draft than him. yeah um but still i think he, so he's going to get some dings for that but like man when you watch him he's just so smooth mm-hmm. um effortless speed he can get deep He can stretch the defense so he changes the way that your offense operates right because he can take the top off a defense anyway anytime he has so many touchdowns in his college career um so yeah i totally agree i really like him i think he's going to be one of the like in you know you mentioned dynasty or something like he's going to be one of the best values in like dynasty drafts because i just think you know he's probably going to be a first round pick maybe early early second and He's just gonna be a productive pro. That's what that's what I think. What I do
0: think will throw a wrench in him being a value is how how fast he runs. Because what I've heard is fast. that he is fast. Yeah. And faster than even Garrett Wilson, who's being consistently yep. mocked ahead of him in, in mock drafts and those things. He goes out, runs like a low four four, high four three. Yeah, that changes, right? A lot right. of things change when you when the you throw out that speed. Build, the yeah. hype starts to build. Let's uh let's close with defensive backs. This has been an intriguing cornerback class because yeah. a lot of the conversation has been about Derek Stingley, and everyone brings up obviously the 2019 season. It's the best true freshman season we've seen from a quarterback probably since I've been born, and, and he did it not only in <laughs> right. the SEC, he did it against a really talented slate of NFL receivers. He, in my opinion, is scheme proof. Right, like he yeah. can come in if he answers the injury questions he can come in and be whatever you want. He can fall receivers in the slot, he can play on one side, he can do whatever you want. And that, in my opinion, has him ahead of Ahmad Gardner, who is obviously very talented. Obviously very talented in the role that he played at Cincinnati, but I don't think at the next level, you're going to ask a mod Garner to do whatever not you want. He's going to be the guy that's traveling with exactly. her receiver all over the field. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's why I have Stingley ahead of Garner. You have Garner at seven on your big board and Derek Stingley
3: at eight. I yeah, I'm, not, me through I'm not going to fight you too much. About I appreciate this. that. I, I, appreciate I actually that. think it's like, you know, they're head and head. I actually do this a lot in my in my rankings. I'm just like, if I like a couple guys, it's more like a tier for me mm-hmm. than like, oh, actual ranking. Like I have to go, I, I have to have Sauce Garner over Stingley. Yeah, you know? yeah, I'm not yeah. really feeling that way it's it again it's sort of vibes too it's like depending on what your team needs um do you want a guy who's going to be physical press you know get up in guy's chest and and like reroute him and all that stuff he he's got the length the size you know the speed all that stuff but i think there are question marks over like the last few years kind of like why his performance was slightly not as good as when he was a freshman the injury situation i think could potentially make him fall yeah and i think you know gardner did a lot of the things that you just mentioned like he went up against some really good players this year did well he's got incredible incredible foot quickness like flexibility fluidity the guy just like has no problem like mirroring he's just it's like effortless for him so I just really like both of these guys I, I think you know Stingley definitely profiles more as like a lockdown shutdown you know, Jalen Ramsey type corner yeah. than, than Like Garner. follow
0: receiver around type yeah. thing, Shadow coverage type whereas Mod Garner I do think Has like island potential like prime yeah. Richard Sherman right. potential where like he's on one Side of the field and you're not throwing over there and then yeah. that's Exactly what happened at Cincinnati like yeah. at Cincinnati He's on one side of the field like the entire game they just and, he's, it. <laughs> and they're like yeah we're not throwing over there Just yeah. not gonna happen and, yeah. and that has value Right and like when you say it's a vibe Thing it's, it's it's and I think another way of phrasing that It's like it's a scheme thing like totally. if your scheme is A Gus Bradley Dan Quinn type Ahmad Garner comes in and can do a lot for you, like a ton for you. If your scheme is asking corners to, you know, follow guys into the slot and play a lot of man coverage, you're probably going to lean
3: Stingley. It's um, like Sherman versus Revis. Yeah. Sherman is not necessarily going to follow guys around. Revis is the guy who's like, you're going to just take this player out of the game. Yeah. And and we're just going to have to worry about the other players. Like Sherman is just like really good. He played on his side. Mm -hmm. He didn't do a lot of traveling in terms of following guys around, but he locked down his area of the field. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I, it, We're not yeah.
0: comparing them to Sherman and Revis, but I get what you're saying. Let's just <laughs> compare these guys to the two greatest corners of our
3: generation.
0: So the next yeah. Hall of Famer on your list is Trent McDuffie. <laughs> now, you have uh, Ahmad Gardner at 7, Derek Singley at 8, and then on your big board, Trent McDuffie, who Mike Renner is a massive fan of and I'm yeah. a huge fan of as well. I've actually had an opportunity to talk with him in this draft class. You know who he reminds me of? Who's that? It's Byron Murphy. Byron I Murphy know, coming I hope, up.
3: I wanted to make that comp. It's a, like, you don't want the same like helmet Washington, comp and Washington, stuff like
0: that, yeah. but he reminds me as like a person too. Mm-hmm. Smaller guy, plays really physical, and is just brilliant. And just absolutely brilliant yep. and will do whatever you ask of him, uber athletic I think he's um, going to be really coachable mm-hmm. at the next level, some people won't like his size, period, like 5'11", right. 195, I think right. he could even show up a little bit lighter than that, his arm length is going to be a massive measurement at the combine, yep. but if you run a scheme, again, if you have the vibe of you can, <laughs> that you can get away with like a shorter corner and run a lot of zone coverages and yep. you know he's going to be in the right place at the right time, buddy, you're going to get the best out of Trent McDuffie yeah. if you're running a ton of man coverage Maybe it's not as easy to factor him into your scheme because you don't want him mirroring guys and, and running into guys who are like 6'5". Like, yeah, like, yeah but for sure. You see where the NFL is going with like the Brandon Staley type of defenses where they're running a lot of off coverage and stuff like that. So yeah. I think McDuffie is going to get valued by the right teams, and if those teams are picking inside the top 15, top 20, they'll probably pull the trigger.
3: Yeah, I, I really like the, the Byron Murphy one because I actually have the same thought. It's like foot quickness elite balance like the way that he kind of you know when he's playing off he can look into the backfield and like really read routes and get where he's supposed to be um tenacious like mm-hmm. a, like a bulldog type of like mentality um i think he you know he can play probably over the slot too and like yeah. play all over the formation so um he's just like one of those guys it, it was funny it's like almost boring to watch his tape too because <laughs> they, they don't throw in his dude no, they didn't they yeah. didn't so um, I think yeah, probably. I've seen him go really high in some mock drafts, so he has top ten potential. Potential. I think so. barely
0: anyone threw on Washington because of McDuffie and the other guy there, Kyler Gordon, yep. who I think Daniel Jeremiah recently put in like the top thirty of his yep. big board. I think yep. when I talked to McDuffie, he was consistently saying, "Man, you got to talk to Kyler Gordon because this guy's the most athletic player I've ever seen in my life, yes. and more, more athletic than McDuffie, which is absurd to think." Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be quite the cornerback class, Danny. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos. I remember watching your tape at Alabama, being like, this is the best receiver in the draft. The fact that I'm sitting down with you is pretty freaking sweet. I appreciate you setting aside some time. And I appreciate you for having me. I was watching the Pat McAfee show. You were on there earlier. You're making the full tour here around Radio Row, and you did the whole what Nick Saban does every single day, yeah. just walking through his routine. And you're saying that Saban just does the same shit every single day, and that's part of the genius, right? Yeah. That's part of the reason he's so great. Yes.
4: I mean, he got – the same routine, you know, if you really think about it, if you look at all the greats, all the great basketball players, football players, great athletes overall, you know, every everything they gotta common, they all got routines to keep them successful. Yeah. The consistency, right? Yeah.
0: What, what do you, what's a key part of your routine you think that's gonna help you be great?
4: Um, taking care of my body, you know, my body my body is the, my biggest investment. So mm-hmm. everything I need to do is just make sure my body at its highest peak so I can perform at my my highest so yeah. Running yeah.
0: sprints when you don't want to, diet when you don't want to, all that I definitely yeah. think makes sense. I wanna also talk about your new head coach. You said you had an opportunity to meet with him on mm-hmm. the McAfee show, Nathaniel Hackett, early impressions of him and I guess how excited are you to be a part of his offense in twenty
4: twenty two? I'm very excited, you know, I heard a lot of things and seen where he came from Green Bay, uh, mm-hmm. see what they did on offense. So it's very exciting having a especially having the officer coach as the head coach now, yeah. officer guru as the head coach. So you know, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what things hold in the future. I guess speak to the relationship
0: you had with Vic Fangio, and obviously he's moving away from Denver now, but what relationship did you have with him? I guess speak to what he did at Denver and what you liked about the coaching staff he had out there.
4: Uh, Vic Fangio, he was a great dude, great coach. Um, you know, uh, they did everything. Very laid back dude. Um, real cool, but yeah, I hope everything goes good for him.
0: Yeah, I, I also want to talk to you about these Alabama receivers coming out now. I know Devontae Smith is one of your good friends, and he's now playing with the Philadelphia Eagles, but John Mechie, Jameson Williams, yes. both these guys coming out have a lot of speed, have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. How much of their game have you watched recently, and, and are you talking to them now even through this draft process?
4: Uh, i actually seen Mechie recently, and uh, I, watched, I watched every game they played in. Oh, know? wow. Yeah, I, I just love watching them play, the excitement they bring to the game, the the, the big playmaking I'll be seeing them do so it, it's very exciting watching them play.
0: Yeah, I think they are going to enter the NFL with a lot of high expectations, just like every Alabama receiver really does. Do you feel Alabama? I guess this is a biased question. Alabama, the true wide receiver, you or is it even close?
4: Most definitely, we most definitely are <laughs> wide receiver you. Most there definite. are some, there are some good receivers that come out of LSU though. Yeah, yeah, for sure, that for sure. But can you count how many though? No, not enough, not enough. Can you count how many? Let's do the comparison. There's a lot of great, a lot. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great receivers out there, and a lot so, of great receivers that come out of LSU. But is Alabama, different.
0: Alabama, Alabama's was different. Yeah. Alabama was different for LSU. One of the guys, Jamar Chase, offensive rookie of the year this year, broke Justin Jefferson record. Another LSU receiver. Yeah. How much of his game have you watched? Have you talked to him at all in this in this you know first season in the NFL? And I guess how impressed are you with him as a receiver?
4: No, I haven't talked to him, but I, you know I went against Jefferson, and, um, and I mean. Uh, I went against um, Chase in college, so mm-hmm. I already know what he brings to the table. So seeing what he's doing now is not really surprising me at all because yeah. I already knew he was a great player, great receiver, so he's just doing what he's doing. I think anyone who's surprised
0: level. by Jamar Chase did not watch his film at LSU because this guy was absurd at LSU. Yeah, he's doing uh, the
4: same as that thing he's doing now. <laughs> so There you go right there. Uh-uh. Look.
0: Mm-hmm. Um... What about Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup? I was talking to Brandon Marshall, former Denver Broncos receiver. He's like, I don't think the league has ever seen a Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. This guy leads the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, mm-hmm. all doing it from the outside and then the slot. Yeah. You, what's your thoughts on Cooper Cup's game?
4: Great player, great. I've been watching Cooper Cup ever since he was there. um and I've been watching him ever since college. Mm-hmm. So, so I, so he's a great player to me. Uh, all being in the right position, make plays, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing how to read defensive quickly, just. He's just a side player to watch. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like like you said, number one in receiving, number one in catching, number one in touchdown. What, What receiver could you really name that did that? Not a lot. Yeah, not so. a lot. And
0: if they did, they probably went to Alabama. Right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that speaks volumes about him. Uh, we're, we're talking a bunch of receivers, right?
0: I think you could argue Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase are in the top five, top ten among all receivers in the NFL. Who are your top guys in the NFL? And if so, like, are, are you watching these guys consistently picking apart their games?
4: Oh uh, Yeah, uh, I watch a lot of receivers. It would be, be hard to really name a top five because everybody got their own situation or own, own um Old thing going on, yeah. so you can't really compare. You can't really compare players in, in dis- different situations. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And they come no, in different sense. times. So, but other than that, I, I like. You know, I'm a crafty rock runner, so I like watching rock, rock yeah. runners such as Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Allen. Adams, Keenan Allen, guys like that, guys that know how to get open and crafty in their route running.
0: I remember we had on another podcast, Xavier Howard. He's a Miami Dolphins quarterback, and he was like, man, when I went against Jerry Judy, this guy's going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. I don't know if you've heard him say that before, but it's because of that craftiness, right? And I think from the outside looking in, that for me, when I'm scouting receivers or looking at guys in the NFL, feels like it's the most important, right? Yeah. Can you create separation at the line of scrimmage with your release packages, and can you create re- separation at the stem? Yeah. Do you feel like that's the most valuable? Because other people bring up contested catchability, yards yeah. after the catch, red zone stuff, but what do you think is
4: most valuable? Yeah, I feel like I feel like most valuable is really catching. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody on you or you separate it. If you can't catch the ball, it doesn't matter. Fair. So you, I feel like the biggest thing is catching. But also, I feel like having separation play a role with your yak, with the run after catch. So, yeah. the, the amount of separation you have going into your route, then when you catch the ball, it, it, it has a lot to do with your yak. So, and it allows you to have run after catch too. So, I feel like that's a big thing too.
0: Really appreciate the time. Final Super Bowl prediction: Have you given it out? Are you going Rams? Going Bengals? Where are you heading? I'm going Rams. 35-28. 35-28. You had it. Thank you so much for joining the show, man. Thanks I really for
4: having me.
0: Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is Bears running back uh, Khalil Herber, a.k.a. Juice. We've had you on this podcast before, before you were a big NFL star. Now we're obviously appreciating your, your time, man. I really appreciate you jumping on the show. Yeah, I
5: appreciate you guys having me again, man. Excited to be back.
0: I think every question around the Bears right now, and some of it's around the new head coach, but it's honestly surrounding this offense and Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, talk about your relationship with Justin Fields. and even just working with him for a year now, what your beliefs are of like, what the ceiling of this offense could be with a talent like his where everyone wants to say, man, he can run, he can throw, he's got this arm. What do you feel like the ceiling is for this offense? And and what is your relationship with Fields?
5: I feel like there's no ceiling just, you know, being with him through mini camp, you know, kind of growing, going through this thing together. Um, You just see how each week he's gotten better and better. He's learned more and more. So just, you know, having a year under his belt now, coming back year two, having an off season to prepare, like fully prepare. Um, You know, I I think there's no ceiling. I feel like we we have the guys on offense to do what needs to be done So, you know, I'm excited to see what coaches do um, and what we install and uh, how things turn out
0: it was a really challenging year, I'm sure, at least from the outside looking in, to balance, like, the, you know, Andy Dalton's coming in, Justin yeah. Fields is coming in, there's obviously questions, you see media talking about Matt Nagy, I mean, there are videos of, like, people asking for Matt Nagy to be fired at his son's football games and stuff, like, yeah. it had to have been a really challenging year in Chicago, to, like, identify, like, a clear path, and, like, a North Star, from a leadership perspective, how do you feel, like, the team handled that kind of, like, Tribulation, right? Like those yeah. challenges and how do you feel you're gonna bounce back from that now with the new regime with Iber Flus now as coach?
5: Yeah, you know, it was it was tough, but I feel like the team handled it the best we could. Um, you know, it's hard, you know, get off your phones and not look at stuff, exactly. but you know, for the most part I think like we, we did that. Um, but it was tough. You know, all the ups and downs throughout the season, it's a lot, it's a lot. But you know, with this new regime in and you know, I think guys are ready for the new for the new coaching staff and um you know everybody's excited to see what we do and uh what they what they install and things we put in so i know everybody's excited and ready to go so
0: i think i'm gonna get on my soapbox a little bit but i think something i frustrated with some media right is they they block it out when you interview players, right? Like, you, you have to, like, be transparent about, like, hey, yeah. every all these players have freaking Twitter and cell phones yeah. and stuff like that. They're able to see all that's going on with Matt Nagy and people wanting Justin Fields to start over yeah. Andy Dalton and all this stuff. Blocking all that out is not easy, right? You yeah. guys see when you go into games and you're 10-point dogs. Like, you see when people are asking for quarterbacks to be benched. I guess to kind of press on that question more, you know, what does what do players do like yourself to, like, I, cause it's, it, I don't think the right answer is as simple as block it out, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to be on your phone. You have yeah. to be doing things like this, right? Yeah. Getting on camera and doing that stuff. I, I'm
5: interested to hear your answer. It's tough. Cause like in college, I was able to like, I delete social media throughout the week oh, wow. or like sometimes I'd go like on months, but I would really have it for the weekend, you know, after the game, whatever, post a picture or something. But during the week I delete it cause I didn't want to see all this stuff. But now like you kind of have to, you need it. You need social media. Um, building your brand marketing all these other things so it's hard to block things out but for me like i don't get any notifications to my like front <laughs> screen besides like text messages or calls wow. from my like, family and friends so like i don't get instagram i don't get twitter i don't get espn so like i have to go searching for it you know mm-hmm. um and a lot of guys do that same thing a lot of guys like delete apps or delete um you know or put away their phones during the week but um, that's kind of one thing that's helped me
0: yeah, I mean, I'd, I think I'd have to do that, right? Yeah. Especially, I mean, there's this extreme of it, right, where a guy drops a pass on fourth down and like just gets a series of these DMs on IG. Yeah. But even just a standard day to day, even when you're not making mistakes, you see a lot of the conversation around an offense and pe- people pe- people speaking about you that have never even met you, yeah. which is another just wild <laughs> thing. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting <laughs> off on a tangent, but it is an interesting it's an interesting topic of conversation. Going back to the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus. We talked a little bit before we started recording that you had an opportunity to meet him. Mm-hmm. Your early impressions. I love what. What he's done with defenses specifically yeah. in Indianapolis and in previous jobs but now he's the head coach
5: what's your thought? I'm excited um, just meeting with him you know we were able to talk football we're able to chop it up about life so um, just the kind of guy he is he wants to be a players coach so um, his door is always open but you know I'm excited to see what he does I've talked to the OC and um, you know the things that we're gonna put in in and in, in install are gonna be fun I feel like so I'm excited I you know a lot of guys are excited and ready to get back you know we got to wait till April but um, I know guys are putting in work and eager to get back. Chicago, Matt you Eberflus himself all in this, you know, unique
0: opportunity all have this unique opportunity in the NFC North to make waves next year, right? There's some conversation about Aaron Rodgers not coming back, all this stuff. Do you guys, you know, kind of sense that opportunity to be, you know, playoff competitive, deep playoff competitive as soon as next year, right? Like some people want to tag you with a new head coach every single time yeah. in this rebuild. You guys want to win now,
5: right? Yeah, we want to win it now. Um, you know, I feel like we got a great shot at winning winning our division next year, so you know nobody's waiting for you know rebuild the next couple of years like we're starting from day 1 and um, you know guys are going to buy in and we got to get this thing rolling so
0: speaking of Aaron Rodgers I think anytime I talk to Chicago Bear, I want to ask about Rodgers and some of the comments he makes in game and people mocking the belt and yeah. all that stuff i what's the sentiment sentiment among teammates or people in Chicago of Aaron Rodgers and the stuff that you guys see i mean nobody likes him. <laughs> uh
5: to be said, I mean, nobody likes them. You know, the fans don't like each other. It's it's kind of interesting coming in as a rookie and seeing how how deep these ties are in this rivalry. So, um, you know, nobody took that lightly, and you know, we didn't take that lightly. So. Still something that I think we'll hang on to next coming years. I mean, it's kind of similar to collegiate rivalries, right,
0: where you play each other every single year. But the difference, in my opinion, between collegiate rivalries and NFL rivalries is the players, right? Because the players just churn out in college, right? Some guys only play two years. In the NFL, it's like Chicago Bears have hated Aaron Rodgers for like two decades, (laughs) like literally have hated him his entire career.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a big difference, you know. I feel like it's it's deeper than it mm-hmm. is in college. Um, you could feel the deepness throughout the fans that have been fans for since they were little kids to now. Yeah. Um, so you just feel the hatred towards <laughs> that team up north, uh, man. you could definitely you could definitely feel it. A couple more questions. I'll let you go. We talked about Justin
0: Fields, we talked about Iberflus, but you are also one of a, you know, very talented backfield, right? Tariq Cohen didn't have a lot of opportunities to play this year due to injury, but David Montgomery did. And that combination of talent at the running back position is obviously something that Chicago wants to lean into. What is your relationship with this stable of backs that Chicago has? And what do you feel like the game plan will be to make sure that all of you guys are deployed to the best of your ability?
5: I'm not – I can't speak on the game plan here. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I feel like the coaches will have a great great idea and great sense to utilize us all. But, um, you know, just being around those guys, they've helped me a lot. They helped me, you know, when they went down and I was the guy up. So there was no drop off, you know, Um, from off the field stuff, from preparing to be a starter, from taking care of my body. You know, the list goes on and on. Just talking every day kind of about life. Um, You know, they helped me a lot. And those guys, you know, I'm so thankful for them. Just being in that room with those group of men uh, definitely helped me a lot. Final
0: question for you. We're here at the Super Bowl. Final Super Bowl prediction. Who's winning? What's the score? Come on.
5: I need you. Uh, you had to know that question's coming.
0: It's not going to be all about it's Twitter. It's tough because I got, I got people
5: on both teams. <laughs> okay. so I'm going to have to go with the Rams. Rams um, by. Spread is four and a half. I know you probably can't speak to that. Uh, <laughs> I say seven-point win. Seven-point seven point. win? Let's oh, yeah, go. Yeah.
0: City of Los lot Angeles lot of up. A lot of offense. Yeah. Exciting. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate the time. Thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Until next time, we're going to record Tuesday for our Wednesday episode. Going to go into the next AFC and NFC East offseason needs and game plans. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.